aggression. Ladies and gentlemen, we are back. Episode 13 of Ruthless Recap. I'm Trent. Uh, I'm joined by the Stevie Ray to my Booker T, Damon. What's up, everybody? And the people's champ, Dean. Dean, how you doing? You know, uh, I'm doing okay. Just uh, gave up my on all my dream hopes and dreams recently, but at least we can still get to do the podcast. So get the guns, the <laughs> drugs. Now get the guns, the drugs from my generation. I'll take the fall, the state, no cross the nation. And it's a Right, we're gonna kick things off with Raw September 23rd, 2002, Anaheim, California. I didn't look up what arena it's in, I think I looked it up later, but I didn't I didn't throw it in here at the top. But uh, our first contest, we're kicking it off with the action, no raw intro. We just have a uh, Trish Stratus, uh, her music hits, and say triple threat match Trish Stratus versus Victoria versus Molly Holly for the WWE Women's Championship. What did Victoria do to be in this match? She was victorious. Okay, like real talk though, I thought what happened was like she was just the next contender. So I just wrote Trish Trash versus Victoria. And then the next note I have is also Molly Holly is in this match. Uh huh. Yes. Well, you know what the thing is? It's also kind of is reflective of the fact that like barely any of the women get on the show. So there is no logical number one contender right now. Actually, I would argue the if she was on Raw, Tori would probably be the next, next contender. But because Tori's the only other person who's actually been winning matches. She won a match, that's yeah. for sure. Uh, yeah, she really had a tremendous showing in the ring this week. Mm-hmm. Uh, we learned from seeing graphics and hearing commentary that Kane and a partner of his choosing will take on Lance Storm and Christian for the tag titles tonight, and the Union Underground will uh, perform the Raw theme song live. So that's fun. Uh, match starts off hot. Uh, Victoria and Trish are trading punches while Molly runs down to the ring because she wasn't even out yet. Uh, Trish has the advantage on the punches, and Molly pulls Trish down by the hair. Uh, Molly whips Trish to the corner, rushes, uh, but Trish gets the elbow up. Victoria rushes and goes up and over to the apron and punches Trish in the face. Body slammed by Molly in the tope leg drop from the apron into the ring by Victoria onto Trish. Uh, Molly holds Trish in position, and Victoria goes for a gut kick, but Trish moves and she hits Molly instead. Okay, so that entire spot I just explained happens in like every fucking match on Raw and SmackDown this week of the I will hold somebody and then that somebody will move. Yes, it does. I, not even just in multiple times on this show, actually. Yeah, yeah. across Raw and SmackDown, it happens a ton. Yeah. I, I really think sometimes when we're watching a week's worth of content, they pick a spot and they're like, all right, everybody has to put this in their match. Yeah, definitely. Mm-hmm. Uh, Schoolgirl pinned by Trish to Victoria gets a two count. A backslide pin by Victoria to Trish gets a two count when Molly breaks it up. Uh, this is when Molly and Victoria, uh, they're friends, but they start arguing and they're shoving each other. Uh, then they both back elbow Trish to the mat. Uh, and this is around the time I noticed that the stage is slightly different uh, tonight. Uh, we have an extra Titan Tron and like a little thing set up for uh, the Union Underground to perform later tonight. How'd you guys think that looked? It was all right. Like it wasn't too different, but. It took me a good minute because I misinterpreted the Union Underground thing. At first, I was like, why the fuck is this off by a little bit? 
you know, I, I admit I didn't take much notice of it until Union Underground came on the stage. It's like, oh, okay, yeah, they changed it. Yeah, the only thing you can really see, like, during the matches is there's another Titan Tron, pretty much. Yeah. That's, like, half the size of the main Titan Tron. Kicks in the corner uh, by the heels to Trish Stratus. Whipped to the opposite corner by Victoria and a double back handspring elbow by Molly. Running shoulder check in the corner by Victoria. Uh, both Molly and Victoria are slapping Trish around. Uh, double whip to the ropes and Trish ducks the clothesline to hit a flying clothesline of her own on both women. Uh, some forearms to both Molly and Victoria. Victoria misses a clothesline and Trish hits a neckbreaker. Chick kick to Molly. Uh, Victoria whipped to the corner and Trish eats at the back elbow. Uh, Victoria to the top just to eat the stratosphere. She doesn't even get to attempt to do anything. Uh, I rake to Trish by Molly. Whip reversed and Trish goes for the stratisfaction, but Molly just dumps her to the floor hard. She, oh, yeah. she hit pretty hard on that. that. That bump actually was surprising to me because I guess maybe maybe more so a, a, like a, a couple years from now, but I really was surprised they even like approved that bump if they did. They used to not really let women do stuff like that. Yeah. I, I mean, I've definitely seen Trish take that exact bump a couple of times and it always looks like it fucking kills. Maybe she gets to do it because she's Trish. I was going to say, Trish is one of the very few good women's wrestlers at this time. And she only gets better from here. In 2002, she still hasn't even peaked talent-wise. I would say Victoria, Victoria too. Yeah, Victoria. Do you not like Molly? Oh, no, I like Molly. Molly's probably... What I was more saying was Victoria gets better from here. True. Yeah, Molly, Molly, as far as I'm concerned, is probably still the best female wrestler on the show. Yeah. Uh, Victoria somehow gets Molly down and she gets a two count. I don't know if the camera missed it or maybe I missed it. Do you guys know how she got Molly down for that pin? Um, I'm pretty sure Kevin Dunn missed it. That's what I wrote and okay. I probably rewound it. So, All right. Uh, stalling vertical suplex by Victoria to Molly. Victoria to the top and she actually misses the moonsault on Molly. Trish is in and she gets a two count roll up on Molly. Then Molly gets a two count roll up. Trish kicks out and Molly bumps into Victoria and then uh, Trish gets the schoolgirl pin to retain the title. What'd you guys think of this match? You know, I, I thought it was okay. Like it wasn't phenomenal, but it was okay. Like it actually, I thought it was actually a relatively solid match. Yeah. That's kind of how I felt about most matches this week on both shows. Like I don't, I, mean, I could be wrong. I hopefully am not misremembering, but every match was at least like, Okay. Yeah, I don't remember ma- any matches being bad. The match we watched last night, Trent. When I walked into, that yeah. was bad. Yeah, we'll get well, there. But this match yeah. was all right. It was, yeah. Yeah, so I thought, you know, it was fine. Uh, you guys didn't agree, but I didn't think it was anywhere near as good as Trisha Molly at Unforgiven. Because uh, I did. Dude, I agreed really with you that. that it was the third best match on the show. Yeah, but you were talking. You were talking trash. Yeah, my Molly shit, the, shit, and... the shit I was talking was that I don't like how they treat Molly. Not that it was a bad match. Yeah, that better be the case. Cut backstage and Booker T and Goldust are in the locker room. Uh, they're standing in front of a TV with a VCR. Uh, and they're welcoming, uh, they have a bit of a crowd here. Kane, Bubba Ray Dudley, Stephen Richards, Big Show, and Jeff Hardy. Uh, so I already have a problem later on in the show with this segment. But let's start here before we get to the other thing. Why are Bubba Ray Dudley and Steven Richards hanging out when they just were beating the shit out of each other 
backstage and had a hard hitting match. Like, what was it? Was it the last? Was it the go home raw or the week before? Uh, My point is, they just did a couple of segments with them not liking each other. And now they're chilling doing this. Yeah. It, like, actually, I think he also kind of stands out because he's like, like he. I, correct me if I'm wrong. Wasn't he like the only heel in the room? Uh, Big Show. Oh, Big Show. Okay, fair enough. And then I, we, I, honestly, I forgot Big Show was even there. But oh fuck, that reminds me. There is a bad match in fucking Big Show's match later. Anyway, <laughs> uh, Booker T and Goldust welcome uh, these men to a special private presentation of Gold Dizzy and B Dizzy at the movies. How is this a private presentation on national television? Raw was still probably pulling at least threes back at this time. Well, you know, me. the camera's not really there. Mm. You're not supposed yeah, to. Yeah, it, tell it, that it, to Chavo. Oh, God. Sorry, what do you say? Tell that to Chavo on SmackDown that the camera's not there. <laughs> uh, Booker asks if they want to see something hideous in, in uh, something that uh, Gold Dizzy and BDZ like to call uh, Stank Wars Rikishi's Ass Strikes Back. You know, I was gonna let that simmer for a second. Yeah, yeah, yeah. How do you feel? I, I what what is this, dude? You know, I it's it's weird because like I feel like as a kid I didn't question Rikishi nearly as much, but like going back and watching these shows as an adult, I'm just like, you know, this is kind of like I, I find it weird that I didn't question this as much as a kid. Like it was just kind of like it's like oh I'm yeah, pretty Rikishi's sure. a wrestler, yeah. I'm pretty sure we've had this exact conversation on this podcast before. Yeah. Why the fuck did we not ever question Rikishi as a kid? We just accepted him. Yeah, yeah. Which, like, I mean, I guess that's good. That's a good life lesson, you know, not to judge people. But, like, what the fuck? Like, yeah. Like, I, I have to say, like, I, I personally, if I was, if you teleported me back to 2002 and I, like, was, like, on the show, I'd be like, hey, guys, like, are we just, like, having a dude's, ass just hanging out like full-on wedgie just like as a regular feature on our show like is that just what we're doing yeah he's over as hell he is he is but that's that's kind of the problem with his heel turn too is that like i feel like so much of his moves and like his gimmick are too much of a face gimmick to be healed hold on hold on so like here's the thing i was like months old when that happened so Mm -hmm. i obviously didn't watch it live if I did, I, I don't remember. The biggest problem with turning Rikishi heel was the fact that he didn't change his fucking gear. Oh, yeah, he needed to change his gear. Like, they needed to just put him in tights or something. Yeah, I don't know why the hell they didn't just put him in long tights or at least just, like, normal trunks. They yeah. kept him in the fucking in the wedgie shit. Yeah. Like, how am I like, supposed to be scared of this pro- guy? He, honestly, he should have just completely, like, nixed the stink face entirely. Oh, like, is he I, still doing it as a heel? See... Even if he wasn't, like, if you look at his Titan, his bad man Titan Tron, his ass is still all over it. That's awesome. Like, uh, it, it's, it, that's the thing. it's too much of, like, a crowd comedy pop gimmick to really work as a heel if you don't change him up a lot. It's like if you took Bree Zango and tried to push them for the NXT title as serious heels. Yeah. It yeah, doesn't work. Just, it wouldn't work. It wouldn't but, work. But they still come out and act the same way and have the same entrance music and do the goofy dress up stuff. It just doesn't work. Yeah. Um, actually, it almost be like if you made orange Cassidy a heel right now, like you, you, you would have to change some things to make that guy a heel. Yeah. 
Uh, but anyway, Stank Wars, Rikishi's ass strikes back. It's just highlights from the HLA segment from Unforgiven. Uh, Goldust says he hasn't seen anything that bad since Chris Jericho's last Fozzie concert. Got him. Uh, Goldust says he brought something special to show everyone. Uh, and it's a portrait of the illustrious general manager. And it's just a poorly cut out Eric Bischoff with his head up Rikishi's ass. And, you know, Goldust got all the boys popping on that one. Uh, and then we hear someone say, you know, this is an outrage. And the camera pans over, and it's Rico, and he's being a little pervert, peeking through the curtain, a little voyeur man. Uh, and he says that, you know, this is disgusting. I love this. He says, I'm telling Eric. I love that. <laughs> what a tattletale bitch. He said, I'm telling Eric. You know, it's actually interesting how Rico is actually, like, a prominent figure on the show right now. Like yeah, give actually- it a few months. Like, I mean, that yeah, that'll change. That will change pretty, that'll change. But even so, it's kind of interesting because, like, he's, like, one of the more prominent faces on the show. I mean, not faces in, like, a wrestling sense. I mean, like, yeah. as a person. Like, he's one of the more prominent people on the show. That's actually kind of surprising. Yeah, dude, he's got, like, four segments on this episode. Yeah. Um, But he says he's going to go tell Eric. And uh, Booker tells everyone in the locker room not to even worry about it. Uh, we cut to commercial, and Eric is shaking somebody's hand. Uh, in his office. We don't see the person's face. I don't even think you see them. Like, I don't think you even see the back of their head. I think it's just like the neck down, you see? Yeah, pretty sure. Uh, and he welcomes the person to Raw, and he wishes them good luck in their match tonight. Uh, Rico uh, walks in. He's like, hold on, what, what's this guy doing on Raw? You know, they've been on SmackDown. Uh, Eric then yells at Rico. He says, where the hell were you when I got that fat ass rubbed on my face? Uh, and Rico says that Eric was the one that told him that three-minute warning and uh, himself, they were done for the night. They could go party. And I thought Rico Rico plays the character very well. I feel like he's a pretty good actor. Mm, like you can so. hear the fear in his voice. He's trembling. Uh, and Eric tells Rico, you know, stop coming up with excuses. And if Rico had any loyalty at all, he would have uh, stopped whatever. He would have stopped what happened at Unforgiven. And Rico says he is loyal. In fact, he's here to title on Booker T and Goldust for showing footage. Of, uh, and he says, he, he I, I don't remember the exact verbiage, but he does use the words I typed right here. Uh, Rikishi's crack. He says, Bischoff got his face shoved up. Rikishi's crack. Uh, Rico says, everyone was laughing. And this pisses Eric off. He says, he'll put an end to that right now. And he leaves the office. And uh, well, then we cut to him. He's coming out to the ring. Uh, and he tells the crowd to not even start with him because he's not in the mood. He says a couple of weeks ago, he infiltrated SmackDown and he left Stephanie McMahon laying on the mat in the SmackDown locker room. They poured out and they come to check on her. And last night on Forgiven, Bischoff's laid out and not a single Raw superstar came to check on him. It's almost like you th- like told your backup to leave, but whatever. Yeah, and the rest of the roster doesn't much care for him. Yeah. Well, but now he hears that his own talent is laughing at him and it gets even worse Eric got a call from Vince McMahon, and then we hear a real loud asshole chant, which I kind of miss asshole chants. I don't think we get them. Obviously, in COVID, we don't get them Yeah, anymore. especially since they have more control over what the chanting will even be. Yeah, but I feel like even before COVID hit, it was pretty rare you got an asshole chant anymore. Yeah. Like, I feel like if Vince came out and did something heelish, he would still get it, but I can't think of many other people that did. Yeah. Uh, Eric says that Vince told him that all the contracts are being frozen and no talent can jump from show to show unless there's an official trade between GMs, a.k.a. 
we have the rosters how we want them now, so we're not going to change up the rosters anymore right now. Yeah. We'll wait a year. Uh, Eric says he was able to cut some deals right before the deadline, and if you're on Raw, you belong to Eric Bischoff. And uh, Eric says this brings him to one of his favorite and most loyal superstars, Booker T. And uh, he tells Booker T to get his ass out of the ring. And uh, Booker comes out, and Eric says, oh, okay, let me get this straight, Daug. I, I like that. Mm. Uh, he says, is what happened to me last night funny to you? And Booker says, you damn skippy hippie. 2002 is just a different time, man. I got a huge pop. Yeah, yeah. Uh, Booker says that he shouldn't be blamed because Rikishi used his face as toilet paper. That's one of the grossest things I've ever heard <laughs> in my life. And I bet this uh, man was pissing his pants laughing at that. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. I love that Vince McMahon brings people in just to humiliate them. I love that shit, dude. That is the biggest power play in the world. You know what the sad thing is? I bet you in some cases he legit thinks like, no, this is a good gimmick. Like, what are you talking about? This is good shit. What do you mean? No, I mean, like, like, okay. Like, for instance, do you think like, say, like, like, say the goon or mantar oh no 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 that's not what i'm talking about like no he legit thinks that's a good idea but my point is him and bischoff were fucking nose to nose for years in the 90s. oh okay okay and then he brings okay. this guy in because he doesn't have a job anymore and then he says that's cool lick this man's asshole on live pay-per-view <laughs> and actually you know what i think the same thing happened to roddy piper too like oh I doesn't think he, he get stink faced he does like when he's like when rikishi's like it's like match of sean o'hare i think um, yeah, that's a bit down the road. Yeah. Yeah. But like, the only reason to bring that up is because, like, I think in an interview, Roddy Piper said, like, what am I going to do if I come back? Get a stink face. And then Vince brought him back and he had Rikishi give him a stink face. Yeah. That was pro- it was probably after the whole thing where Piper talked about all the wrestlers dying young and he was under contract at the time and that really pissed Vince off. Mm-hmm. It's probably that whole, we'll, we'll definitely get there because that's a very interesting story. Um, Anyway, Eric asks if Booker knows who he's dealing with, and Booker apologizes, and he says he's got a question. After last night, does HLA still stand for hot lesbian action or huge lumpy ass? And Eric, oh, he hates this. He gets a big pop from the crowd. Uh, Eric starts getting slightly uh, closer to Booker, and Booker tells him, yo, man, step back. And I really liked that. I felt it added to Booker's character, like, to me, it says, like, Booker doesn't want to have to kick his ass, so he's trying to give him a warning because he's like, dude, I know I'll kill you, so I'm doing this for your safety. I really liked that. Booker then says that Eric's breath is as heinous as a fat man's anus. Can I watch a wrestling match now, please? That would be wonderful, but nah, we got to keep going. And then uh, Booker says, now, can you dig that, sucker? Uh, and Eric, he tells Booker, uh, you know, stop laughing, show him some respect. And Eric says, he doesn't care if it takes all night. You know what? On second thought, I've only got about three minutes. Oh, my God. Rosie and Jamal hit the ring. Uh, Rosie and Booker trade some punches. And Booker actually gets the upper hand with, like, his crescent kick or super kick. Uh, He hits a flying forearm on Jamal. Booker clears the ring of three-minute warning, which I thought was very interesting. Yeah. Uh, Rico then jumps Booker from behind. Rico misses a spinning head kick and then eats a nasty spine buster. Booker put some stank on that one. Mm. Uh, Three-minute warning back in the ring. And Rosie whips Booker into Jamal for the pop-up Samoan drop. Uh, Goldust out to a huge pop. uh, And he's punching three-minute warning. Uh, Three-minute warning, get the upper hand, and they double-whip Goldust to the ropes. Uh, Goldust ducks a clothesline, then he hits both of them with a flying clothesline. 
Uh, Rico just grabs at Goldust's feet just to hold him in position. Uh, and then Jamal hits a super kick on Goldust. Rosie hits that full Nelson spin out face buster. Uh, and then Rico and three minute warning stomp down book dust and uh, they celebrate in the ring. We cut to commercial and we see three minute warning Rico and Bischoff. They're celebrating backstage. Eric says, thanks to the three of them. He doesn't think book dust will be popping off any more smart ass comments tonight. Uh, Booker says to squeeze, I'm sorry, Booker. Let's try that again. Eric says to squeeze some more bad attitude out of them. He's putting Booker and Goldust in singles action tonight. Uh, Rico says he'd be more than happy to face Booker T. And then Chris Jericho walks into frame and he asks Eric if he heard what Goldust said earlier about Fozzie. You know, Jericho says Fozzie are huge rock stars. And he says, you know, he asks Eric, do you even know what I would do to Goldust tonight? And Bischoff's like, you know what, Jericho, uh, we can see what you'll do against Goldust tonight when you defend your Intercontinental title. And uh, Bischoff, three-minute warning, Rico walk away, and Jericho has a very confused look on his face. And he, and then uh, he says right before they cut away, he's like, I didn't say anything about the IC title. I, I really like that. You know, I think this also, at least for me, is kind of, mind you, I like that moment at the end there. But then after that, I thought to myself, you know, it's just like, it just seems like a lot of these number one contenders are just like arbitrary decisions. Yeah, because didn't this, yeah. something like this happen right before Unforgiven too? Like Je- with Jericho, didn't? Or am I wrong? I think, um, like, because the thing about it is that, like, I think Jericho just said, "Oh yeah, I'm gonna give Ric Flair a rematch just kind of because Ric oh, Flair right. hadn't actually won any matches, but he just kind of like, yeah, Ric Flair rematch. Or like in this case, like, why is Victoria in the women's championship match? Well, what made uh, why was Triple H in the number one contenders match for the t- for the championship against the Undertaker when he lost to Shawn Michaels? Because Stone Cold and Rock and Hogan left. <sighs> they lost yeah. their three top fucking guys in the span of like a month. Yeah, that is true. That is very true. Our next contest: Jeff Hardy takes on the Big Show. Right before we get to that, Raw is presented by Stacker Two. JVC's Tower of Power, HX Series, and Snickers Cruncher. Okay, so this is my second problem with the Stank Wars segment. Jeff and Big Show were literally sitting like right next to each other. Not even kidding. They were sitting right next to each other laughing at Stank Wars. And then this match starts off hot with Jeff jumping them. It's like, what what are we fucking doing here? Oh, I think the kayfabe explanation is just about anybody can get a big old laugh at their boss eating ass. Um, would I laugh at my boss eating ass? You know, I probably would. And I better fucking make sure they never find this podcast. Anyway. Luckily, um, I don't have a boss because I'm unemployed, Scott. Hey, I got my ghoulie. Uh, Yeah, we're going to set up the Patreon soon. One, so we can pay Dean. And two, so I can pay off my student loans now that I graduated. Yep, and Uh, I'm just sitting here at home with my degree and no job. I really thought you were about to say, now I'm just sitting at home with my dick in my hand. (laughs) I really thought that's what you were about to say. I should have said that, but I didn't. Uh, We get some shitty punches by Jeff on the outside after he does that barricade tightrope punch uh, to start this match off. And then Show just kind of like shoves Jeff to the mat. Like it looked really bad. Uh, Jeff thrown in the ring and then he hits an awful looking suicide dive. Like, he did it like he got thrown between the ropes by a ghost. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, yeah. Like, if you fucking rotoscoped in someone, like, throwing Jeff out of the ring, it looked the exact same as if someone really just threw him out of the ring. It didn't look like a suicide dive. Mm -hmm. 
uh, punches by Jeff, uh, and then show Gorilla presses him and drops him on the mats on the outside. And I would just like to note something uh, King said here. He said, and I know this isn't what he meant, but I just got a double meaning out of it. He said, look how high Jeff Hardy is. Hey, I got a good one. Hell yeah. Uh, Jeff thrown back in and show follows. So the match officially starts uh, club to the back by show show picks up Jeff for a vertical suplex and then drops him gut first on the rope. I don't, what, what would you call that? Because I've seen that move a million times and I love it and not enough people do it. I don't know. I've like, I've heard commentary. They usually just say like, Oh, he's hung out to dry. You know, yeah, I don't think it's ever actually been given an actual name. Yeah, I know uh, Randy Orton does it a lot. I feel like he does that move like every match. Anyway, we'll see Randy Orton later tonight, brother. Uh, knee to the ribs of a down Jeff Hardy. A big show walks over Jeff's stomach and he gets a two count. Show off the ropes and Jeff hits a basement drop kick in the knee. Uh, show misses an elbow drop. Uh, punches to the head by Jeff Hardy. Basement drop kick to the head by Jeff Hardy. Uh, Jeff goes up top and he hits the Swanton on Big Show's back, but it only gets a two count. I was a little surprised by that. I, I actually want to say here, like, I would have rather he just not hit the Swanton, honestly. I understand that it's like Big Show's just a huge dude and he's strong and he's tough and he kicks out. And, but, like, I don't know. Sometimes I feel like I feel like you shouldn't have somebody kicking out of a finisher like that in a throwaway match that really means nothing. That's fair. Like, if this was, like, say, over some, like, rivalry or if it was a number one contenders match, okay, but it feels like it's a waste of a finisher kicked out here. I hear that, but at the same time, this match didn't matter, so do logistics like that matter? Well, see, that's the other problem, but I'll, I'll save it for when we talk about who wins. All right. Show in the corner, and Jeff rushes, but Show gets the boot up. Uh, Jeff ducks a line and goes for a flying crossbody, uh, but Show doesn't go down, and Jeff's the one that takes the bump. Uh, backbreaker to Jeff Hardy. Uh, he puts Jeff in the corner, and he gets his shirt ripped open, and Big Show hits two chops. Another backbreaker by the Big Show. Uh, leg drop to the gut of Jeff Hardy. Uh, running big boot by Big Show. Uh, Show goes to whip Jeff to the corner. But Jeff forward rolls, springboards off the second rope, and then is caught by show for the choke slam and the win. Uh, Hell of a choke slam, I'll say that. Was it? I don't know. This match fucking sucked. I forgot about this match. That's how bad it was. Fair enough. This match was so bad. They both looked like they didn't want to be there. Everything looked sloppy. Everything looked like super lackadaisical. Like, I just, I just, I just, no, did not like this match. I love Jeff Hardy. Yeah, that's the sad part is Jeff's been looking like shit the past few showings he's had. Which is crazy because I know he's still in this company for like at least another six months. At least. Yeah, yeah. And I, I have to agree, Damon. Like he, it seems like he's just, because actually, because he, he fought Triple H last week, didn't he? I, I don't know. Yes. Maybe. Yeah, yeah, he fought Triple H. Honestly, it just seemed like Jeff Hardy was off during that match too. Yeah, that match was like, bad too. Yeah, like I don't know what it is, but. I also just have to say, like, for a guy who's, like, been in number one contenders matches and actually technically got a title shot last week, man, Jeff Hardy cannot get a win. At this point, I don't even know if he deserves it, if he's going to put on this type of performance. But maybe that's a result of him not getting wins, you know? Maybe. I. But at the same time, it's like, it's Jeff Hardy, so you kind of always have to wonder. Right. 
we uh, cut to a replay of what happened two weeks ago between Christopher Nowinski and Tommy Dreamer. Uh, JR and King then, they never say via satellite, but like I, it was kind of like a via satellite segment, similar to what they did with Sean just a couple of weeks ago. Uh, and it's Christopher Nowinski. Uh, JR asks why Chris Nowinski is in a classroom. And Nowinski says it's very simple. Dreamer uh, brutalized him with a Singapore cane. Dreamer was in his element. And now Chris Nowinski is in his element. He says he's always excelled in the classroom ever since kindergarten. Uh, Nowinski says that he gave Dreamer the time and the place. And if Dreamer has any gumption at all, he'll be there any second. Uh, JR asks if Dreamer shows up, then what exactly does Nowinski have planned? Uh, Nowinski says that he has a lesson that even Tommy Dreamer can understand. Uh, he then uses a pointer to show a chalkboard that says, don't mess with a Harvard graduate. This was definitely not a real classroom. This was definitely set up in a locker room backstage. Yeah, yeah, it was. It was but, so yeah. obvious. Wait, wait, wait. Yeah, wait, wait. but you, you know what? To... I, still, I, still, I still can appreciate the effort. You mean to tell me they don't just have a classroom on the ready? Yeah, bro, you tell me they didn't just go to the local high school and fucking ask for a room and just destroy it? Yeah. Um, we cut to commercial, and... Uh, okay, so this is on Peacock, and they left this in. And I, I, I mentioned that because later I'll talk about just a, li- a few of the commercials that were in the SmackDown that's not on Peacock because every commercial was left in. Yeah, um, which is interesting because the other... The other episodes that we watched didn't have that many commercials, but we'll get there. Yeah, this one was not. Yeah, the the SmackDown we watched this time was not edited at all. Every commercial was still in. Uh, but we we cut the commercial, and it's it's a commercial, and it's featuring little kids dressed up as wrestlers, and they're trick or treating, and they knock on the door, and it's actually Pete Rose. Uh, and the joke here is Pete Rose tells every kid to fuck off. He tells uh, little kid Rock to fuck off. He tells Kurt Angle kid and Hulk Hogan kid to fuck off. Triple H kid, Chris Jericho kid, Trish Stratus kid, Undertaker kid, Book Dust kids. They're all told to leave. Uh, but then Kane shows up. And it's not Kane kid. It's actual Glenn Jacobs. And he goozles Pete Rose. And this is a commercial for the next pay-per-view we will cover. WWE No Mercy, October 20th. This will be episode 17 of Ruthless Recap when we get there. You know, it's it's funny because like years later, uh, when they started doing, I forget what that like, when when they were in therapy, Kane and Anna Bryan were in therapy. I forget yeah. what the name of the doctor was. Oh, uh, Doctor Shelby. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like when Kane like outlined everything like that was good that like outlined his entire life and like you kind of like in context started to realize how weird Kane's continuity is. Dude, he, Kane is fucked in the head. Yeah, his but man. then. But then, like, one thing he said was, I have this weird hatred of Pete Rose. Dude, he beat the fuck out of Pete Rose three WrestleManias in a row. <laughs> Dude, they, well, did like, that, they did that when he was, like, still a monster heel, like, no comedy. And Mania 14. Yeah, I mean, well, see, it's because he wants to prove that he's the real Big Red Machine. Is that the gimmick? I don't know. Uh, I know Pete, Pete Rose was, I forget the name, but what what team was Pete Rose on again? Oh, the Cincinnati Reds, I think. Yeah, like that, because they were really? called the Big Red Machines, the Cincinnati Reds. I'm going to look this up. All I know about Pete Rose is that he'll never be in the fucking Hall of Fame for some reason. Like, I the, think- like the MLB Hall of Fame, because I think he got caught cheating or some shit. Oh, really? I think. Uh, I listen. It says born in Cincinnati, so I would yes, yes. He was number fourteen for the Cincinnati Reds. He was an outfielder and an infielder. 
Yeah, I've actually had like, funny enough, uh, acknowledging that I have a mother, but this is actually a weird debate that me and my mother have had. Like, we'll see. I don't like to acknowledge that I have a mother on the show. Um, I like I don't like people to know that I have familial ties because it I was going to say, bro, you come down on a fucking spaceship like Superman. What the fuck yeah, you mean? I don't like people to I don't like to acknowledge my backstory because then it makes me more mysterious. But um, ooh, anime. See then, because then people start questioning my race and they question if I really am Jay Lethal and. <laughs> But the point only is, fans. yeah, see, yeah, see, what is my OnlyFans? Can you find it? Uh, but um, like, it's it's funny because like I would call Kane the Big Red Machine, and she would argue, no, the Cincinnati Reds are the real Big Red Machines. Like this is a this is a debate that we consistently had when I was growing up. Yeah, that's pretty epic. Speaking of the Big Red Machine, we're back to the show. And we see Kane in his giant bald spot doing push-ups backstage. Do you see that fucking big old bald spot he had? Oh no, I didn't. I didn't see it. Yeah, I missed that. Yeah, bro. No wonder he shaves his head in like eight months from here. Even though he shaves it in a straight line, that's the weird part. Yeah. Uh, Lawler uh, says that Dreamer just showed up to Nowinski's classroom, and then that's what we cut to. And okay, so I format my notes in a certain way. So segments are all just one uh, big chunk, pretty much like a paragraph, right? And then matches, I got the match title, what type of match it is, and then my notes for spots. I didn't know if this was a match or not, and I really hated that, but that's not the point. Uh, Because this technically isn't a match. This is a segment. There's no referee. There's no count. Uh, Dreamer apologizes to Nowinski, and he says, well, I guess I've always been a little late. And Nowinski says, that's okay, and this feels like a porno. Why did that part have to happen? (laughs) It was just weird. Like, I was expecting Dreamer to be like, oh, I guess sometimes I'm just late to class. And then you skip two minutes later and they're fucking And then like Nowinski crazy. just butt fucks him against the desk. Like, this is the most violent sex I've ever seen in my life. That's the case. That's fair. Yeah, you should check out some other websites. Um, oh, Nowinski <laughs> uh, then starts caning Dreamer. Uh, Dreamer is thrown into a map of the world. Uh, Nowinski chokes Dreamer with the cane and he points out Singapore on the map. I really liked that. Yeah, that was great. That was great. Uh, Dreamer gets out of that and he throws Nowinski into a bookshelf and then another map on the wall. Uh, Dreamer pushes a bookshelf uh, bookshelf down on top of Nowinski and then stomps on it. Uh, Dreamer does like the Lance, Ar- uh, the Lance Archer spot and he picks up Nowinski and throws him upwards and his head goes through the ceiling tiles. Do you remember when Archer did that to just some random guy on Dynamite one time? Yeah, I yeah, popped yeah. hard for that. Yeah, I didn't expect him to do that. I like that part. Uh, Nowinski spears Dreamer through the bookshelf. Uh, and then Nowinski's kind of slapping him around. And he says, you know, Harvard is better than Dreamer. Uh, and Dreamer low blows him. He cracks the chalkboard over Nowinski's head and then hits him in the head with a cane. Uh, he says, class dismissed, which gets a huge pop. Uh, and that's the end of that segment. So, Okay, I'm not going to lie best part of raw really yes i guess we'll get to that later because fuck you might be right god damn anyway i'm sorry the show just went downhill for me after this uh jr says on commentary uh that he will have the honor of introducing the newest superstar that signed with raw uh right after commercial break and we cut to commercial and steven richards is making his way to the ring jr is already in the ring and he says that it is an honor to introduce the newest Raw signee. He knew his grandpappy, and he knew his daddy. So give it up for Randy Orton. Nobody cares about Randy Orton yet. Oh, no, not at all. Like, 
I it, it's it, it's funny because like I guess really it's like the thing of like I guess he job he basically jobbed Brock Lesnar pretty hard so it's like let's switch let's have him switch shows to kind of save face but he's just he's not over even remotely at this point. No, I mean why would you give a fuck about him if you're a casual fan? Yeah, like I mean especially like in this era like I mean I I do question like. Yes, he's Randy Orton, but how much of the crowd actually knows who Bob Orton is? Okay, right. so that's that's what I was just thinking. Like, I feel like maybe a decent amount of people would at least know Cowboy Bob. Because, I mean, he's in the first Mania main event, you know. That is true, um, yeah. yeah. But then, like, his granddad. I couldn't tell you one fucking thing Bob Orton Sr. ever did. I could not nah, tell you. Me neither. Uh, we get a lockup to start this match, and Richards gets the upper hand with a knee to the gut and clubs to the back. Whip off the ropes and Orton blocks a hip toss and then hits a bad looking one of his own. Uh, arm dragon and body slam by Orton. Whip off the ropes and drop kick uh, for a two count for Randy. Uh, Richards whipped to the corner and Orton misses a stinger splash. Back suplex by Richards and elbow drops to the back. Uh, head in the corner and knees to the back by Steven Richards. Uh, some forearms to the back. Whip to the opposite corner and Steven rushes, but Orton goes up and gets a schoolboy for a two count. Clothesline by Richards stops Orton's comeback. Uh, we get a sidewalk slam for a two count. Uh, we get a snapmare and then a seated full Nelson into a full Nelson like clutch. I thought that was pretty cool. Yeah, it was. It's pretty nice. Uh, Orton back elbows his way uh, out of the submissions here. Uh, Orton off the ropes. And he ducks a clothesline and then gets a schoolboy for a two count. Uh, and Richards just kind of does a double axe handle. Uh, to Orton before he can even get up from the schoolboy attempt. Uh, Steven goes for, I guess, the Stevie T, the Steven T, like the DDT. He's going for it. Uh, but Orton reverses and hits a back suplex, and both men are down. Uh, they both get up at the five count. Orton hits a nasty sound and clothesline on Richards right there. <laughs> uh, whip off the ropes, and a back body drop lands Richards on his ass. That had to hurt. Ooh, yeah, yeah. Uh, flying forearm by Orton. Whip reversed by Richards, but Orton gets a forearm and hits that, you know, backbreaker thing where he grabs your neck and his knees. Around this time during the match, there was a We Want Puppies chant from like probably about 10 people in the crowd. Like not not <laughs> a huge amount. Like just like honestly, unfortunately. And it's actually, you know what? Not even just this match, but I noticed the, a lot of the crowd seemed like they were way more into posing for the camera than they were actually paying attention. But like Which sucks because you know what this match isn't that bad. Yeah, yeah. But like one thing I noticed was that like that chant did die down when Orton hit that backbreaker. I mean, at the time you were never seeing shit that looked like that. Mm-hmm. Uh body slam reversed by Richards and he hits an impaler DDT for a two count. Whip reversed and Orton hits the spinning power slam for a two count. Whip off the ropes and Steven ducks a clothesline and hits a nasty sound Steven kick for the two count. Getting tired right. of these people kicking out of these Steven kicks. Yeah, I guess his finish this time is the Stevie T. Yeah, I just, I just, I don't know, man. I'm not, a, I'm not a fan, man. I'm not a I was to say, what, yeah, which, yeah, it sucks because the Steven kick, he, he throws a good super kick. He does. Uh, and after that first two count, he immediately goes for another pin and gets another two count. Uh, we get a choke in the corner by Richards. Uh, whip to the opposite corner and Steven rushes just to get kneed in the gut. Whip to the opposite corner again, uh, but it's reversed and Orton goes up and over and Steven hits chest first into the turnbuckle. 
Orton up top, and he hits a flying crossbody for the win. What'd you guys think of this match? Did did not see that finish coming. I did not think he was going to get a pin off a crossbody, but I guess Randy doesn't really have a finisher right now, does he? Um, I think that's it. I think his finish is the crossbody at this point. That's kind of a lame finisher when a lot of people do crossbody. Oh, but. dude, don't worry. His next finisher is the fucking overdrive, the worst move in wrestling history. <laughs> so you know, he, he it takes him a while to figure out a good finish. I don't know. I thought this match, like you said, it really wasn't that bad. Like it's, if I was a fan watching this live, like back in 2002 when I was a kid, probably wouldn't have given much of a fuck about this because it's like two nobodies at that time. But yeah, and which is kind of which kind of sucks because like, as an adult, I look at Stephen Richards and I'm like, you know, he's actually way better than I would have remembered as a kid. Honestly. Right. Th- that's pretty much what I have here. I said, you know, it's a fine match. Isn't anything amazing, but it was good. Uh, white meat babyface Orton obviously doesn't work. Uh, every time they've tried since, never worked. No. Uh, and yeah, Steven Richards, pretty fucking good wrestler. Um, yeah, I was gonna say something. Oh, Damon, you said maybe you wouldn't, have, you probably wouldn't have cared this, about this match. I probably would have, dude. I loved the fucking jobbers back in the day. Damon, yeah. you remember my favorite wrestlers were like fucking Hurricane and Eugene, like. Okay, but I'm saying you would have watched this when it aired live. So you would have been like not even two years old. You would not have cared. Yeah, bro. I wouldn't have cared until I saw some titties on the fucking screen, bro. Well, yeah. Little do we know, baby Trent was starting the We Want Puppies chant. Yeah, that was me. Uh, we cut backstage and we see Ric Flair walking. That's the segment. Uh, we cut to commercial and Lillian Garcia introduces the Union Underground performing the Raw theme song called Across the Nation. I about had a fucking seizure watching this. The amount Ooh, of strobe yeah. lights going off. God damn. It is interesting because that is something that I, I remember there, like, as I was growing up, there was just suddenly this, suddenly seizure warnings started just going on everything. When before it's like, no one gave a shit at all. Do you think it was the Pokemon thing? Yes. It might've been. It might've been. There had to have been something because I remember like, there was that era where suddenly, like, every Nintendo console had, like, uh, a seizure warning before you turned the games on. And before, it's like, they never warned anybody about stuff like that. Yeah. Then, then it just became, like, I guess they just, eventually they were like, we need to cover our asses. Oh, pretty much, yeah. Uh, we see Stacy Keebler, Terry, and Jacqueline dancing on the entrance ramp. Dude, this is, like, the fucking first time we've seen Jacqueline at all, I'm pretty sure. Did not even know she was on the roster. Yeah, same. Um, yeah, I wouldn't. I couldn't have told you where she would be at this point. I know she wins the cruiserweight title in like 2003 or 2004. But yeah, I see. That's the thing. I thought maybe she was gone and she came back in 2003. I was gonna say, dude. I yeah, I have no clue what the fuck she's doing in 2002. I'd imagine pretty much nothing. Um, the live version of this song sucks, which is awful. I I was so sad. Y- you know what? I, it, it's funny you say that because. I was worried it was going to be like that situation. I forget what pay-per-view it was. Like when Cody had his theme oh played live. Yeah, that was a revolution. Yeah. Wait, like, right? Revolution 2020? I think so. Because yeah, it was like, like right before COVID. I was worried it was going to be like that, but it wasn't It wasn't that bad. That it wasn't was, that bad, but it, it still was, wasn't good. Yeah, that's fair enough. I I thought it was okay. I'm uh, sorry, the, Dean, I'm with you. Like, I, it could have been so much worse. It, it was all right. I'm well, just okay. so I'm so used to so many of these bands just sounding like complete shit when they are when they're live. Yeah, I mean the crowd seemed to like it, so I think it was it all sounded... the, I think it was all the ass shots they liked. 
Listen, dude, there were some Stacy Keebler ass shots in this. Uh, yeah. Uh, so they they perform the song. It's whatever, you know. Uh, Lawler says that he can't believe Jr. was dancing, and sadly, we didn't get to see any of that. Uh, but damn. but Jr. does say, "Well, yeah, you know, I jiggled a little bit. That <laughs> <laughs> I jiggled." Uh, I love Jr. Uh, Ric Flair's uh, music hits, and uh, he gets a face pop. Uh, Flair asks the crowd if they know why he's here. And he says it's because Triple H made me realize something. Triple H helped him see that he lost his passion, his guts, and his instincts. And he's getting a lot of what chance. Uh, Flair says Triple H looked him in the eyes and he called him pathetic. And you know what? Triple H was right. Flair says he cared more about what the crowd thought. uh, And also he was trying to mentor people in the back that didn't want his advice anyway. Flair says Triple H grew up wanting to be just like him. And look at Triple H now. He's the world heavyweight champion and the best wrestler in the world today. Uh, It is now Flair's job to take Triple H to another level. Flair and Triple H will go as high as they want to go. Flair says that he will teach Triple H how to style and profile, how to be a Rolex wearing, limousine riding, jet flying, son of a gun. And most of all, he will cheech. He keeps saying cheech. Did you realize that? He doesn't say teach. He says cheech. No, I didn't realize that. That's just kind of like Flair's kind of... He's got some speech thing going. Yeah, on. like it's not like I don't want to say it's a, I don't want to say it's a lisp exactly. It's not a. Yeah, lisp, I don't think it's a lisp, but he's but got it's something. Like, he's got something, yeah. Uh, but he says he's going to teach Triple H how to be world champion as long as he wants to be. Flair says the payoff will be being right by Triple H's side, because Flair will end his career just how he started it, on top. Uh, we awkwardly cut to RVD with taped up ribs, only wearing a striped dress pants backstage. That's a look. Um, and Flair sees us on the Titan Tron. He says, well, look who's here. And then RVD just like starts throwing shit backstage. Yeah, um, I wasn't a big fan of the hissy fit he threw. Yeah, I don't know what that was about. RVD's not good at selling anger. Oh, no. The, later he cuts a promo that was really bad. Uh, Flair says RVD should know firsthand that Ric Flair is the dirtiest player in the game. Uh, RVD walks through Gorilla, and he's on his way to the ring, but Triple H attacks him from behind. Uh, RVD is thrown ribs first into the steps. Uh, he's thrown into the ring. Triple H follows. Flair is stomping down Van Dam, a uh, kick to the injured ribs by Flair. Uh, Triple H and Flair are just stomping down RVD. Uh, Triple H pins down RVD and tells him, you know, you just can't win. You're not going to beat me. And Bubba Ray Dudley comes out for the save. Uh, he gets some punches in on Triple H and Flair. Clothesline to Flair, and Triple H clotheslines Bubba. Uh, Triple H holds Bubba while Flair punches him. Bubba thrown out of the ring, and the heels beat down Van Dam some more. Uh, Bubba slides in the ring with the chair, and the heels run away. I liked Ric Flair's promo. Yeah, yeah it wasn't, yeah. wasn't yeah. bad. I, I wasn't in love with it, but you know, it was it was decent. It was decent, very decent Ric Flair promo. Yeah. I think if anything, it just left a bitter taste in my mouth because I know what's gonna come from this and like we've we've discussed it. Like evolution's gonna run wild for years. So. And uh, actually that ties into what Bubba Ray says after this, but first I just want to point out in the crowd there was a R V D was robbed sign. <laughs> We're done here. Uh <laughs> We cut to commercial, and Coach is trying to interview Bubba backstage, and Bubba says enough is enough. 
he's tired of seeing Triple H. This isn't the Triple H or Ric Flair show. Kind of is, is, actually. Well, yeah. Or it's about to be. Uh, this, this is Raw. It's the fan show. And Bubba says he'll be damned if he has to sit through one more Triple H or Ric Flair speech ever again. You know, get Start packing, brother. Um, <laughs> as Bubba starts to walk away, RVD comes in and he says, yes, inquisitively, I agree. Um, RVD says they should finish the job and go out there to kick their asses. Uh, they high five and they begin walking back to the ring, but Eric Bischoff stops them. And, you know, he says, you know, where do you guys think you're going? Uh, and he said, I can't believe Bubba, you think this is the fan show because it's Eric Bischoff's show. And Eric says, you know, he's the only person that calls the shots around here. Uh, and he calls the shot that Bubba and RVD will face Triple H and Ric Flair tonight in a tag match. Uh, Bischoff tells RVD, you know, watch those ribs because I know Flair and Triple H will be. Uh, Eric wishes them good luck and he walks away. Our next contest, Chris Jericho defends the WWE Intercontinental Championship against Goldust. Uh, lock up and Jericho shoves Goldust in the corner. Jericho slaps Goldust on the chest and then Goldust smacks him in the face. Uh, we get a drop toe hold and a hip toss by Goldust. Uh, whipped the ropes and a she calls it the rear view. Eye rake and punches by Jericho. Uh, we get two chops, whipped to the ropes, and Jericho's dropkick is caught, and Goldust catapults Jericho into the turnbuckle. Inverted atomic drop and kicks in the corner by Goldust. Whipped to the opposite corner, reversed, and Goldust hits the corner chest first, and then his clothesline from behind. Uh, choke on the ropes by Jericho, a neck breaker, and then a snapmare followed by a head crank. Uh, head in the corner, and Goldust, he starts firing back with some punches. Whip reverse and Jericho goes for a drop kick, but Goldust holds on to the ropes and then goes for a jackknife pin for a two count. Big forearm by Chris Jericho. Uh, we get a stun gun by Jericho and a choke on the ropes. Uh, he hits that running hip attack. Uh, Goldust starts firing back with punches to the gut. Uh, a forearm by Jericho and a kick to the gut in the corner. Whip to the opposite and Jericho rushes, but Goldust gets that back elbow up. Jericho ducks a clothesline and hits a sleeper slam for a two count. Uh, Jericho and Goldust start trading punches. Uh, two chops by Jericho. Off the ropes and Goldust hits a big lariat. And again, uh, Jericho ducks the third clothesline but then eats a spine buster for a two count. Whip reverse and Jericho goes for a back body drop. But Goldust does the uh, bump and then punch him in the face. Goldust goes for the curtain call. But Jericho flips and lands on his feet, just eat a spinning power slam for a two count. Uh, we get a back rake. You gotta love a good back rake. Uh, whip reversed and Goldust hits the buckle. Jericho goes uh, goes for the bulldog, but he's run crotch first into the turnbuckle. Uh, we get the flying ass in the corner. Uh, Goldust goes for the Golden Globes, but the ref blocks it from happening. Uh, Jericho. You know... If, if you're not gonna say it, I'll say it. That ref is a little bitch. I, I'm sorry. Like, can we can we just decide if that move's legal or not? It's not. Then why? Then why? I'm, done. I'm not. No, I'm done. I'm done. Why go for it? No, like, it just seems like how legal it is depend depends on the match. What are you gonna do? You know? Yeah. What are you gonna do? Eh? Gabagook. Um. Jericho to the top rope and he hits a top rope enziguri. I don't think I've ever seen that in my life. Uh, and he gets the walls of Jericho for the win. What do you guys think of this match? All right. So, like, you recapping it, like, it all sounded pretty decent. 
But then I remember I watched it not once but twice, and it was dog shit. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Uh, I'm gonna okay. go second worst match of the show so far. Yeah. Um. It felt like. I don't know. It's weird because technically speaking, this match had more of a story behind it than some of the other matches did. But like, honestly, it it was just nothing special. It just kind of felt like they were just kind of doing moves, really. I yeah. thought it was like, I thought it was like, OK, very slow start. I did not like the start. Oh, yeah. Um, The top rope in Zagiri was cool. Yeah. And also, yeah. I, I will say I also partially blame the crowd. Mind you, maybe the crowd just wasn't into the match, but also it just feels like the crowd just seemed like they were more just just kind of fucking around and paying attention to anything that was actually happening. I mean, probably. Once again, it seemed like a lot of them were just trying to pose for the camera and not like pay attention to the matches. We cut to a graphic for Kane and a partner of his choosing taking on Storm and Christian for the tag titles. Uh, then we cut to a commercial and we get an exterior shot of the Arrowhead Pond. That's the name of the arena in Anaheim, California. Uh, in the arena, we see Meredith Brooks in the crowd. I have no cool. I, I don't know who that is. I've heard the name. I've heard I'll, the name. I'll leave it at that. Apparently, she had a number one hit called Bitch. You know, I yeah. Hmm? Couldn't no? tell you. Our next contest, the Un-Americans, Landstorm and Christian, defending the WWE Tag Team Championships against Kane and a partner of his choosing. Uh, Regal comes out with the tag champs, the upside-down American flag. Um, and it turns out that Kane's choice for a partner is the Hurricane. The Hurricane has signed with Raw. Sadly, he got no pop. Yeah, that's a shame. Yeah, you hate to see it because he yeah. deserves it. He's pretty damn good. Uh, Christian and Hurricane start things off as the legal men. Uh, Christian goes for a punch, but Hurricane blocks it, and he hits Christian multiple times. Whip off the ropes, and Hurricane uh, gets kicked because he went for a back body drop. Christian off the ropes, and he's hit with a flying clothesline. Head in the corner, and a second rope blockbuster by, by uh, Hurricane. Storm is in, and he misses a clothesline, and then gets hit with a neck breaker. Kane's tagged in, punched to Christian, and the sidewalk slammed to Storm. A gorilla press slammed a Christian onto Storm and Hurricane's tag back in. Uh, he hits an assisted top rope crossbody, uh, and it barely hits the Un-Americans. Yeah, I actually was a little worried about Hurricane when he when they were going for that because I was like, those guys look like they're a little bit far away for this move. Yeah, uh, whip reversed, and while Storm distracts the ref, uh, Regal swipes at Hurricane's feet. Uh, Hurricane punches Regal on the outside, and then Christian hits him with a baseball slide. Uh, Storm and Regal stomp down the hurricane while referee Nick Patrick is distracted by Kane bitching about it. Uh, hurricane thrown back in and Christian stomping him down. Uh, Storm is tagged in, whipped to the ropes, and a big back elbow for a two count. Uh, we get a USA champ. Uh, I just thought of this. Like, I know we, we talked about how Kane is, he was actually born in Spain and he's billed from parts unknown. Isn't it Hurricane at this time? Isn't he billed from like Metropolis? I don't know. You know what? Actually, I don't. I don't know that. Actually, I think he is, but I'm not. I don't know. There, I mean, um, hey, hey, well, actually, no, that's not true. There are Gotham cities, but I don't know if it's actually a metropolis. No, I got no clue. Uh, Christian tagged in, backbreaker by Christian, and a two count when Hurricane kicks out. But Kane was about to break it up anyway. 
Uh, we get a chin lock by Christian. Uh, Hurricane fights out with back elbows. He ducks a clothesline, but is kicked in the gut and hit with a reverse DDT into a backbreaker for a two count. Uh, Hurricane starts coming back with punches. One punch is ducked, and Christian goes for a back suplex. But Hurricane lands on his feet and then hits Eye of the Hurricane. Both men are down. Uh, Storm gets tagged in, and Kane gets the hot tag. Two clotheslines to Storm. Whipped to the ropes and a back body drop to Storm. Regal punched off the apron. Christian goes off the top rope, but is goozled, and Storm breaks it up. Double whip to the ropes, and Kane hits the heels with a double clothesline. Uh, we get the top rope diving clothesline by Kane onto Storm. Uh, Tess distracts the ref while Regal hits Kane in the head with the tag titles, but it only gets a two count, and that gets a very big pop. Uh, referee Nick Patrick throws out Regal and Tess, which requires more refs to come out so they can leave. Um, stomps by Christian to Kane. Hurricane up top in a diving Hurricane Rana to Christian. You see what I did there? Kill uh-huh. me. Uh, Storm misses a clothesline and is goozled by Hurricane, but Christian breaks it up. Christian holds Hurricane for a super kick by Storm, but Christian gets hit instead. Uh, Kane goozles Storm and Hurricane goozles Christian. Double chokeslam and oh my god, Kane and Hurricane win the tag titles. Kind of crazy that match. Hurricane, uh, it's kind of crazy Hurricane wins the championship his first night on Raw. I mean, it's a hell of a start, I guess. Yeah, yeah. Uh, but uh, I-, I just want to say, so the interference in this match. Mm-hmm. So with, with Test, I, with, when Test came out, I, that worked for me because Test distracted the referee very briefly. They very briefly got in the, uh, the uh, shot with the title. Test got off the apron and that was it. Very quick. Referee didn't see it. The first bit of interference, though, I'm sorry, but it just makes you're just burying the referee at that point Bro, because ain't, ain't nobody care about the ref. But just, see, the thing is that you William Regal is right there, not in the match, blatantly attacking the hurricane. The referee is just like, even though he's literally right behind me, I don't know what's going on. I'm going to focus on Kane. Yeah, it just looks Kane was being a bitch. It just looks it just looks stupid. It's the same way I felt about the the. Uh, the match at uh, the, at the pay-per-view because it just feels like all this, these un-American interferences sometimes just get so convoluted. It just makes the referee look stupid. I'm with you, Dean, especially at the end of that when uh, Test and Regal were being thrown out and more refs had to come out. It's like, fuck, how ineffective is everybody that's a referee? Yeah, like my, my least favorite, uh, you know, fucking doing something illegal and the refs down with the refs distract or whatever and I've seen it happen a couple times, is whenever a table is involved. Because all that fucking shrapnel's around the ring. You're telling me the ref doesn't see that shit? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, we cut to commercial, and Hurricane is being interviewed at the Raw interview set by Terry. Uh, Terry asks why Kane picked him as his partner, and Hurricane says it's a very simple answer. They both wear masks, they both use the choke slam, and they both have impressive physiques. Um, do you notice Hurricane, Dean, did you notice that Hurricane has a belly button ring? Yes, I did. I would like I took notice of that and I was like, did he just seriously wrestle that match with a belly button ring on? That's gotta be kind of scary. I mean, yeah, like I'm never sorry, really grab- I, eh. like take that shit out, man. I would imagine like I'd be scared of having that shit ripped out because like anybody does a waist lock or anything. Exactly. Like I, that that just seems like like take that shit out, man. I remember one time I remember one time, now this is years ago before Jeff had the gauges, uh, but he said that he got his earring ripped out once in a match. Mm-hmm. It was like him and Shawn Michaels on an episode of Raw in like 2007, 2008. 
and like, they did take, they did like, something that fucking got ripped out. Take the damn jewelry off when you're having a match. Come on. Um. So Hurricane uh, asks Terry, you know, you know Terry, with you asking, what's up with that? I love the Hurricane. What's up with that? I always <laughs> love that shit, dude. I'm a fiend for that shit. Yeah. Uh, Hurricane says that he's been needing a sidekick, and then he sees Kane. He said, "Oh, the whole sidekick thing, man. I was just a little bit of her humor." Uh, Kane covers Hurricane's mouth, uh, and Kane says he picked Hurricane as his tag partner because he's a freak just like him and all the Canaanites. And freaks are cool. Listen, Dean, if being a freak is cool, consider me Miles Davis. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> I, I I have to say I still love the Canaanites thing. I love it. I love oh, all my Canaanites. Yeah, that's yeah. one of my gimmicks, dude. I call my fans the Canaanites. Uh, Hurricane agrees and says, you know, it's time to go to the Hurricane, and he jumps out of frame, and then he comes back like two seconds later, and he's like, Kane, do you want to go celebrate? And then Kane makes out with Terry, and then he says, now I'm ready to celebrate. Huh? What the fuck was that, Kane? Glenn? Well, we'll learn more about. Kane's mischievous behavior when he feuded to Triple H. Yeah. Fuck, I guess. Oh my god. Oh my god, dude. That's like soon. Yeah, it uh, is. That's like it that's is. like in a couple of weeks soon. Yep. Yeah. Oh shit. Oh yep. no. Wait, is that even on Peacock? Oh, that's a good question, dude. If it's not, I'm finding it on fucking YouTube or Daily Motion or something. Yeah, shit. that's a good. That's a good question. We'll have to see. And I'm gonna jump to this right now because we're talking about what may be cut from Peacock. There's something I know for a fucking fact was cut from peacock and i'm pissed dean do you remember when rock does the rock concert on like the go home to mania 19 yeah yeah that's cut really yep back on the network i tried to show damon on the network because it's like one of my favorite wrestling segments of all time is the original rock concert and it they cut it like they cut all the music out so all you have is like the rock doing some shit talking in the beginning and then it just cuts to the whole stone cold coming in on the truck and the hurricane and Wait, it cuts like, all the music now. Okay. Maybe. Okay. Wait. Okay. I, I, I'm not even going to guess why I just, just, just tell me why. Do you know if why? I had to guess it's because like, this is the part I don't fucking get. All I can guess is because he's singing music that like is to the tune of famous songs, but that's parody law. That's legal. Yeah, that's ain't gonna pay plus, a right. like a lot of songs like will be similar in like chord progression or different things. And it's like, that's not illegal either. Well, to be fair, I mean, but once again, this falls under parody. He's singing to a, oh God, oh God, what's the song? I'm blanking. He's singing to the tune of a, oh, he sings to the tune of You Ain't Nothing But a Hound Dog. Yeah, yeah. But he sings You Ain't Nothing But a Redneck about Stone Cold. Yeah. But that's parody. You can yeah, do that's, that. Yeah, that's, that's perfectly legal. Yeah, sorry I'm going on a tangent about this, but it's As literally hell, one of the like, funniest not, wrestling segments of all time. They cut it. And it's not even like, because you know what? It's not even like he used like the actual instrumentals from the song either. Like he was playing guitar, right? This, he, yeah, he plays own, guitar. His yeah. own guitar. Yeah, it's the, the signed Willie Nelson guitar. Yeah, so like what the hell? That's bullshit. <laughs> yeah, it's when we get there, I'm going to fucking send y'all a daily motion link or some shit. Okay. Um, we cut to the locker room and coaches interviewing the Un-Americans. Uh, Christian says they didn't lose the tag titles. They were stolen due to American incompetence. Uh, Christian says Storm had the cover for at least 10 seconds, but the ref wasn't even looking. Did that happen? Or is he just shooting shit? I don't remember that that happening. I do not remember that happening. Yeah. Uh, Regal says, you know, this is enough. Uh, The only people to blame here are themselves. 
And Regal says he doesn't want to sound like some whiny American, but it's time to regroup and think of new strategies so we can come back stronger than ever. Uh, Regal tells Coach this interview is officially over. Now piss off. I, I, re- I really liked that. Yeah. And the coach runs out of the locker room. Uh, we're moving on to our next contest. Booker T takes on Rico. Rico got no fucking reaction whatsoever. Not even booze. They, people are indifferent on Rico. Yeah. Uh, match starts off hot with Booker punching Rico in the corner. Uh, Rico fires back with punches of his own. Uh, whip reverse and Booker hits a crescent kick. Some mounted punches by Booker. Uh, Rico ends up slapping him. Uh, punches and kicks in the corner by Rico. Then a choke. Three body kicks and a springboard head kick. Uh, clothesline to the back and a two count. Knees to the gut by Rico. Whip reverse and a back elbow by Booker. Then a clothesline and another. Then a flying clothesline. Uh, Rico with a poke to the eyes. Uh, off the ropes and Rico is hit with a crescent kick. Spinaroonie by Booker and the scissors kick for the win. I don't even think I need to ask you guys what you thought about this match because it was like fucking 60 seconds. It was short. Yeah, I, don't even think it lasted, I don't even think it lasted three minutes. It, dude, like, like I know you're making the, the meme, but like legit, there's no way this was three minutes. Not yeah. even. Um, and then Damon, we were watching this together last night. And he's, I'm about to explain all the post-match stuff. Dude, the post-match stuff's longer than the fucking match. Yeah, for real. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I also like to just remind you, Ric Flair, I'm Rick, not, Rico beat Ric Flair last week. <laughs> yeah, he did, didn't he? Yeah. Shit, dude, that's tough, man. Uh, Rosie and Jamal hit the ring, and Booker drops both of them with crescent kicks, and then Rico hits a spin kick on Booker. Double flapjack by three-minute warning to Booker. Uh, Rico is holding referee Charles Robinson in the corner. I really liked that. Um, Rosie, uh, I'm sorry. Nope, I jumped the gun a little bit. Superfly splash to Booker by Jamal. Goldust runs in, but he's beaten down by three-minute warning. Rosie holds Goldust for a super kick, but Jamal hits Rosie instead. That's the fucking third time tonight they've done that spot. Uh, Jamal is clotheslined out of the ring. Rico punches Goldust in the back, and Goldust no-sells it. Uh, whipped to the ropes and a clothesline by Goldust. In the corner, in the Golden Globes on Rico. Uh, Three-minute warning back in, and Jamal super kicks Goldust. Rosie hits a world's strongest slam. Uh, we get a superfly splash to, uh, by Jamal to Goldust. Uh, and then we get a replay of what we just saw, and the refs come down to check on Book Dust. Cuts a commercial, and the refs are helping Book Dust make it backstage. Bischoff stops everybody, and he says, oh, man, Booker, Goldust don't look too healthy. And he says, Booker, did I, uh, did I earn your respect now? Uh, Eric says, I hope I did, because next week in your hometown of Houston, it'll be Book Dust against three-minute warning. Uh, and Eric asks Booker what he thinks about that. And Booker says, Eric, you are what you eat, an asshole. What's wrong with a little analingus, Dean? You know, I have mixed feelings on it. Okay, we're going to stop there. <laughs> <laughs> Shit. Um, but yeah, Book Dust and the refs walk away. I was a little surprised that you can say asshole uncensored, but didn't Taker say it in the build of SummerSlam to test? Pretty sure or, he did, or, yeah. or he said like shithead or something, I think. See, I wonder about that because, um, well, then again, I guess, well, maybe... I'm thinking, I don't know. Like, maybe it's just because this is Peacock, it wouldn't be censored. I don't know. Yeah, but then you're going back and you're re-editing the show, you know? Yeah, I suppose so. But granted, this is probably, thinking about when this would have aired, like, time-wise on television, it's probably like 10.30 at night. Yeah. And, I mean, I imagine you could probably get away with it that late. 
Yeah, it's not like USA is basic cable, so. Um, yeah. Uh, we cut to the locker room, and Bubba Ray Dudley and RVD are getting ready for action. Uh, Bubba asks RVD if he's sure about this, and RVD basically says yes. He starts saying some hippie shit. Dude, I was watching this at like 10 at night. I was having a bad day. I didn't fucking type most of it. But he says yes, he's passionate to kick Triple H and Ric Flair's ass tonight. RVD says they took my Intercontinental title. They took my shot at the world title. They took everything. It doesn't matter if I'm hurt or not. I've got nothing to lose. And I like I, I like that idea of RVD going in. Not He's not necessarily like, you know, whatever, smoking weed, RVDs. He's like, I guess I'm just going to have to fucking kill him now. I kind of like that. That being said, uh, he doesn't seem angry. He doesn't. He just he, doesn't. And that, listen, in, in real life, good for RVD that, like, he's just not an angry dude. Like, he just doesn't really get angry, it seems. Yeah, it's it, he's just I don't and, I, and you know what and I, I I understand that not everybody's going to be good at doing that, but I'm also just like, man, I feel like they've would you guys have learned by now that maybe you should be more careful about what you have RBD say in promo so it doesn't seem completely funny. Oh fucking have Bubba talk for him. Bubba's a good yeah, talker. That too, that too. Bubba damn near started a riot once. <laughs> um match graphic for RVD and Bubba Ray Dudley taking on Triple H and Ric Flair. Uh, we cut to commercial and we see a picture of the WWE.com home screen. That was weird. Yeah, I remember it looking like that, but like it's, I hadn't thought about it in a long time. Well, it was just weird to me. Like, why the fuck was it there? Like, they were talking about, I think they were talking about uh, tickets for No Mercy or some shit. I think so. Um, we move on to the Raw main event Triple H and Ric Flair take on Bubba Ray Dudley and Rob Van Dam. Uh, we find out the subway will present WWE No Mercy October 20th, episode 17 of Ruthless Recap. Uh, Bubba isn't over. Got no pop coming out. Uh, match starts off hot with Triple H just glomming uh, Bubba from behind. Head in the corner. Whip to the opposite corner reversed and Bubba hits a back body drop. Clothesline to Triple H and Flair's knocked off the apron and immediately we get that We Want Tables chant. <sighs> He's never going to escape it, dude. Yeah, Dude, he could come back drop a hundred pounds, grow a full beard. He's got fucking different hair, completely different name. He's still getting, we want tables chance, bro. He's never going to leave that. That's never going to happen. I mean, like I, and I think maybe I've mentioned this on a past episode, but like, you remember when they came back in like whatever year it was and they were feuding like 2015. With, yeah. And they were, they were feuding with, they were, I think they were feuding with new day at the time. Uh, that was their first feud back. Yeah. yeah. Like and I, maybe it wasn't during that feud specifically, but I remember when they turned heel, they ended up, doing this thing where it's like, we are no longer going to be using tables. And then like a couple weeks later, they were using tables again. Oh yeah. That was their feud with the Usos into Mania 32. The worst Mania I think I've ever fucking watched. Uh, <laughs> Damn. That's a okay. I watched that shit live. Watched the whole thing. It was awful. Um, yeah. They, yeah. They turned heel for whatever. I don't know what reason they turned heel for. I think they were just losing matches or something. Well, see, I, that's one of those things where at the time I thought, oh, they're going to come back, they're going to win the titles, and they're going to like put somebody over on the way out. Nope. No, dude, they just put everybody over their whole year-long run. They never <laughs> yep. They never got the fucking titles. They lost to everybody. everybody. Did they win a single feud they had? I mean, like, I guess they... Uh, they lost to the Usos at Mania. They lost to the Wyatts. They yeah, lost because, a new like, day. they they because they even had to bring in like Tommy Dreamer and like uh Rhino Rhino, but like yeah. I don't even really remember how that went. 
Dude, I bet they fucking beat the Wyatts at some point because fuck the Wyatts apparently. But I think Tommy yeah. Dreamer like pinned Eric Rowan and like they eliminated the Wyatts from like my man beat. Eric Redbeard. Oh yeah, Eric Redbeard. Yes. Oh my god, dude, my man. What's his real name? Doesn't uh, matter, man. Yeah. Eric. Eric. It doesn't Redbeard. matter what his name is. Okay. Yeah, fuck Eric Rowan. Um, oh damn. Okay. I don't. I don't care about Eric Rowan one way or the other. If I saw him get hit in traffic, I'd be like, oh man. Damn, dude. What? No, I'm not saying I'd be like, ha huh, huh. I'm just saying, like, damn, that sucks. What the fuck? Why? I a man in traffic. I don't see what how what I said was wrong, but wait, okay, damn. Dean, what am I Trent, supposed Trent to say? Turn, Trent turn and heal on this episode. What am I supposed to do? It's like, yeah, yeah. Turns out, plot twist. It turns out you were the one in the car. You oh, no, I'd never do that to Eric Redbeard, dude. He trashed my fucking car. Big guy, Eric, brother. If you're listening to this, brother, brother, let's work an angle, okay? Let's make an angle out of this. Uh, a lock, lock up, and Bubba gets a headlock off the ropes and shoulder tackle by Bubba. Flair tagged in a lock up and a headlock by Flair off the ropes, and Bubba gets hit with a shoulder tackle. RVD tagged in and Triple H tagged in. Just kidding, apparently, it was just Triple H. The tags are weird in this match, yeah, they are. They'll, they'll tag, but then like. I'm pretty sure at one point you see Triple H like yell at the ref or yell at someone else on the other team. He's like, dude, come on. It's like, it seemed like no one was on the same page in this match. Like they didn't mm. know who needed to be in the ring when. Yeah. And the ending, we'll get there, but the ending was also, I'm pretty sure the ending was botched. Oh, fuck. Yeah, it was, dude. Uh, Bubba and Triple H are the legal men at this point in case he got lost. Uh, Bubba goes headfirst into the corner. Uh, punches by Triple H, Flair tagged in. Chops in the corner by Ric Flair. Bubba reverses uh, the third chop and hits three chops of his own. Whip to the opposite corner, and Flair does not quite do his signature bump into the corner, you know, up and over. Yeah. Uh, whip to the opposite corner and a back body drop by Bubba. RVD tagged in. Whip to the ropes and a spinning wheel kick by RVD. Whip to the corner, two shoulder checks, backhand spring, and a scary-looking monkey flip. Oh, yeah, that monkey flip looked rough. Yeah. Uh, RVD up top in the flying karate kick. Triple H uh, comes in. He's immediately put down with a spinning wheel kick. Uh, RVD hits the rolling thunder on Triple H. Uh, RVD I, I, is... Oh, go ahead. See, I don't remember exactly when it happened. I think Jerry stopped himself for a second. There was a point on commentary where he's like, Van Damme's got to be orgasmic. And I'm like, whoa, what? Now that's awesome. I'm like, whoa, what happened that. here? But I think Jerry, like, he, he kind of stopped himself and he corrected it, but it's like the first thing he said was, "Yeah, Van Damme's got to be orgasmic." Like, wait, what, what? If he, what if he called RVD bonerific? <laughs> um, start just dropping Family Guy jokes on here. Uh, RVD is still selling the ribs from last night. Uh, Flair with a poke to the eyes and Triple H hits a clothesline. Triple H is the legal man now. I guess. I guess I missed that fucking tag. Um, RVD put up on the top rope and Triple H tries to go up and is immediately knocked down. RVD goes for the split leg moonsault, but Triple H moves out of the way. Uh, Triple H grabs the leg and RVD hits and then Zagiri. It definitely didn't connect. Uh, Bubba gets the hot tag and Flair is also tagged in. Punches by Bubba, back elbow. Triple H knocked off the apron. Back body drop to Flair and a Samoan drop to Triple H. Sidewalk slam to Flair for a two count when Triple H uh, breaks it up. Double whip to the corner uh, by the heels and Bubba hits a double clothesline. Uh, and then he does like a double dusty elbow spot at the same time, like with each hand to each yeah. heel. Uh, Triple H clotheslined out of the ring. 
and actually, I just want to say at this point in the match, I think Jr. said, "Is this a tornado tag?" Yeah, yeah. he's like, "Where's this? Is this Texas tornado?" Yeah, it's like it, which once again, I think it just kind of proves that like as much as he does it on AEW, Jr. has been doing this shit forever. He like That's will just clean, he he would just call out with the mat, especially in tag matches when he feels like it's not making sense anymore. Yeah, he said, "Is this Carrie Von Eric Texas tornado?" Like that reference, guys? Yes, I do. Yeah, actually, I appreciate you, that. You. Sorry, I, I would have actually you would have heard me laugh, but I muted my I muted my mic for a sec to adjust Damn. my chair. Uh, body slammed a flare, and we get a was up, not headbutt, but a was up leg drop by Bubba and more Van painful, Dam. Funny enough. Yeah, if, I mean, in, in real life, if I were to get hit with it, I imagine the legs would hurt more. Yeah. Uh, RVD tells Bubba to get the tables, uh, and he does. RVD and Bubba set up a table in the ring while Flair is begging for forgiveness. Uh, Bubba puts Flair on the table and RVD goes up top for the five-star frog splash, but Triple H shoves him face first off the top rope to the barricade. Uh, Bubba punches Triple H on the apron. Uh, Bubba is hit from behind by Flair and Triple H slams his throat on the rope and Flair gets the schoolboy while holding the tights for the win. Uh, and Bubba immediately gets up and he fucking attacks the heels. Uh, chop block by Flair to Bubba. Uh, Bubba's thrown out of the ring. Uh, Triple H throws RVD back in the ring. Flair holds RVD so he can get hit with a sledgehammer, but Bubba low blows Triple H. Flair tossed out of the ring by Bubba. Bubba power bombs Triple H and completely misses the table. Yeah, which actually, like, that was, I watched that and I was like, you know, weirdly, that the way he botched that might have actually made it hurt worse for Triple H. Oh, definitely. Yeah, because he like clips the end of the table. Yeah, that looked like that actually sucked. Yeah, there, uh, there goes his push. Uh, which kind of is interesting because, like, actually, Trip, even though they haven't really been consistently having matches against each other, Bubba's actually fairly consistently been like at odds with Triple H through his entire title run more consistently yeah. than anybody else, actually. Which, woo, yeah, that uh, that might have ruined his chances. Uh, RVD kind of saves it, and he hits a kind of bad-looking leg drop on Triple H through the table. Uh, this match sucked. Yeah, it was, really yeah it was a mess. It was a mess. It was a mess. Yeah. Well, uh, that wraps up Raw, and now we're moving on to SmackDown. Moving on to SmackDown, uh, September 26, 2002, the Sports Arena in San Diego, California. Uh, the show opens up with a recap of the HLA segment from Unforgiven. And right after that, we jump into our first match of the night. Rikishi takes on Chavo Guerrero. Uh, we get a replay of when Chavo hit Rikishi with a camera on last week's SmackDown. Uh, the bell rings before Chavo even gets all the way in the ring. He does not even have two feet in the ring, and they ring the bell. Chavo also immediately leaves the ring when they ring the bell. Uh, Rikishi uh, leaves the ring to chase Chavo. Chavo back in the ring, and he stomps Kishi when he tries to get back in. Uh, Chavo goes to whip Rikishi, but he's just too strong, and he's holding onto the rope. Uh, Rikishi turns the tables and throws Chavo over the top rope to the outside. Uh, Chavo pulled up onto the apron, and he punches Rikishi in the face. Chavo up top, and he goes for a double axe handle, but Kishi uh, catches him with the goozle. Chavo tossed into the corner and then uh, gets punched a few times. Whipped to the ropes in a clothesline. 
Chavo in the corner, and Rikishi goes for the flying ass attack, but Chavo gets the boots up. Uh, we get a bulldog by Chavo, uh, some stomps and some clubs. Uh, in the corner, and Chavo is just beating Rikishi down. Uh, Kishi grabs Chavo by the head, and he throws him into that same corner, and he starts punching him. Punches by the Kish dog, if you will. Uh, whip to the opposite corner, and Rikishi rushes, but he goes shoulder first into the post. And then the video just randomly cut to Chavo being in position for the stink face. Yeah, yeah. I, I do remember it cutting out randomly here. Yeah. Uh, Kishi goes for it, but Chavo slides through the legs, misses a clothesline, and is hit with a spine buster. Uh, Kishi goes for the bonsai, but Chavo gets the knees up, and he gets a two count out of that. Chavo grabs the camera again, and he goes to swing it, but Kishi hits a savat kick. Uh, Chavo drags to the corner, and Rikishi hits the bonsai for the three count. This match was okay, I guess. Gotta say, um, after doing the show for the time we've been doing it, I, I, I've not really been impressed with anything Rikishi's really done. Yeah, I don't give a fuck. Yeah, I, I don't know. Like, I, I guess I was expecting a little more, but honestly, he's not really giving me anything. Yeah, I don't... But he's fine, I guess. I mean... He's just kind of there, and I just feel like he just kind of fell in a spot because he's over, you know? Yeah. Uh, Kishi goes on stage and puts on the hat and dances. We haven't seen that since, like, episode one or two. True. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, We cut backstage, and Tori Wilson is putting on some lotion in the locker room. And Cole says that Toria and Nidia... I'm sorry, did I say Toria? Yeah. Jesus Christ. Uh, Cole says that Tori and Nidia will have a bikini contest hosted by Taz coming up next. Uh, we get a match graphic. Uh, we're getting a big blow-off match tonight on SmackDown. Edge takes on Eddie Guerrero in a no-DQ match. Um, and this is when I note that all the commercials were left in on this uh, totally legal copy we have of SmackDown. Oh, yeah. Uh, there was a... Uh, this is the only time I do this. There was a Stacker 2 commercial, a Taco Bell commercial, and some NBA game that was coming out. Yeah. I don't know if we got there yet for this commercial, but I saw a couple of times when I was watching today, it was like, uh, they were pretending it was like skateboarding. They were like, oh, but it's harder to do when it's underwater or on water. And then like, it just looked like literally a surfing game that was a reskin fucking Tony Hawk game. Oh, probably. I and I also, and actually, are you okay if we just run down some of the other commercials right now? Or do you want to save that for when they actually happen? Um, that's the only time I mean I can mention the only other time I made a note of a commercial in this one was there was a super monkey ball commercial. Yeah, I, I yeah. remember there was super monkey ball came up multiple times. Yeah, and super uh, monkey ball. Also, like a te- they advertised Tekken Four too, which I'm like, geez. Oh yeah, there's a oh, bunch yeah. of Tekken Four commercials. Yeah, very uh, a controversial entry in the Tekken series. The- it's a uh, it. It was uh considered more of a def- at least from what I've heard some people say like I like the game was fine. I think some people said that like they felt like Tekken 4 emphasized defense too much compared to the other entries in the series, which emphasized offense more. And it kind of made it a little bit slower of a game. But honestly, I at the time as a kid, I did not notice. I'd have to go back and play to really know. I mean, shit, it's been a minute since I've played any Tekken game. I actually have Tekken 7 on my computer. So. Oh, shit. Yeah. Um, we're back to the show, and Taz is in the ring. Uh, Billy and Chuck are also in the ring as they are the judges for this bikini contest because we really got to hammer home that they're straight. Um, they don't Taz, have, they're not gay guys, we promise. Yeah. Uh, Taz introduces Tori Wilson. Uh, she comes out and then he introduces Nydia. 
Uh, Billy and Chuck join Michael Cole on commentary. Uh, Nydia, when she's coming out, she goes up to Billy and Chuck and rubs up on him a little bit. Uh, Taz explains the rules of the competition. Each woman has 30 seconds to strut their stuff, and Billy and Chuck will grade them on a 10-point must system. Uh, Nydia goes first. Uh, she takes off her robe, and she's wearing a black bikini. Uh, she starts doing some awkward dancing. She needs uh, her shoes on, too. Yeah, she has her shoes on, too, which Michael Cole pointed that out. He's like, look at her sneakers. It's like... I just very once again very obvious when you do something like that it's like you like okay we don't want you to win so just like don't do the job well basically yeah well it doesn't help that also her gum falls out of her mouth onto the mat and then she picks it up and puts it back uh, in uh, <laughs> yeah. uh and then she keeps dancing uh listen dude i'm gonna be honest you know i think they gimmicked the times on this there was no way that was 30 seconds for either woman i don't think so either, it was yeah. 15 at most yeah, I agree. Uh, got fucking cheated. Um, Chuck gives Nydia a six, and Billia. What the? Why am I saying fucking adding Ia at the end of everybody's name? Trent, yeah, it's okay. Yeah, fucking sick of the shit. Chuck gives Nydia a six, and Billy gives her a nine. Haha, ha, get it? Six yeah. nine. Sucks. <laughs> yeah, uh, Taz then tries to do first grade math and fails miserably at it because he says, <laughs> "What is that? A 14? <laughs> Bro, come on." That shit cracked me up. Uh, Tori's up next. Uh, she takes off her robe and she's wearing a pink bikini. She dances some. Cool. Uh, both Billy and Chuck give Tori uh, a 10, so she wins. Uh, Nydia storms out of the ring. Billy and Chuck go in the ring to raise Tori's hand. Uh, and Jamie Noble's music hits. And not only Jamie Noble comes out, but he's out with Tajiri. Uh, he says, hold up a minute, fellas. Uh, he says, how in the hell could they rate Nydia lower than Tori. Jamie says that Billy and Chuck are trying to screw his girlfriend and nobody screws his girlfriend. Well, at least not in that way. Uh, Jamie says if they have any guts, Billy and Chuck will face Jamie and Tajiri right now. And the faces are like, okay, cool. And they start brawling in the ring and the match starts. We're doing Billy and Chuck against Jamie Noble and Tajiri. Uh, double whip by the heels to Billy. A double gut kick and leg kick. Both heels off the rope, and Tajiri is pulled out of the ring by Chuck, and Billy hits a tilt-a-roll slam on Jamie Noble. Billy off the ropes, and Jamie basement drop kicks his knee, and that's the, that's the story of the match. It's Billy Gunn's knee. Uh, Tajiri's tagged in, kicks to the knee. A whip reverse, and Tajiri hits the back handspring elbow. Billy misses a clothesline and is super kicked for a two count. Uh, Jamie tagged in. Jamie puts Billy's leg on the ropes and does that thing where like you jump off the rope and you sit on their leg. Oh, uh, yeah, 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 yeah. He does that once, and he goes for it again. And Billy, like, puts his boot on Jamie's ass and just launches him out of the fucking ring. He went flying. Yeah. That, that was a crazy-looking bump. Uh, Tajiri in the ring, and he knocks Chuck off the apron. Uh, this causes Chuck to distract the ref, which I think I type later as Mikey Sparks. I try to type the ref, I try to get the ref's name in at least once. Mm -hmm. uh, and I think it's Mikey Sparks, because I think there's another spot with him. Uh, anyway... Uh, Chuck distracts the ref while Tajiri stomps Billy down and Jamie throws his leg into the ring post. Jamie back in the ring and he's back to work in the leg. He does this like modified figure four on Billy Gunn, which gets a two count when Billy's shoulders hit the mat. Uh, Billy punches his way out of the submission. Uh, whip reversed and Billy's knee is hurt so bad that he can't even run to the ropes. I really like that spot. Yeah, that was a nice little touch. 
Yeah. yeah. That's one thing I'll give this match is that like I appreciate there was actually like a running story in it. Yeah. Uh, Jamie distracts the ref so Tajiri can get in and stomp the leg of Billy. Uh, more working the leg by Jamie Noble. A two count when Jamie has... I, what do you call that submission where you grab the dude's leg and you fucking elbow him like in the knee and then you just kind of twist it while you still got your elbow on the knee? See, I don't I don't know. Yeah, I, he, I, I don't know. Yeah, he was doing that and uh, he gets a two count off of that. Uh, Billy gets out by just fucking booting Jamie Noble in the face multiple times. Uh, whip is double reverse and Jamie hits a basement drop kick off the ropes and Billy throws Jamie in the air and splats on the mat. Both men are down. Tajiri tagged in and Chuck gets the hot tag. Punches to Tajiri. Overhead belly to belly to Jamie Noble. Super kick to Tajiri. Chuck picks up Tajiri for a power bomb, spins him the other way around, and then hits their doomsday device, which apparently is called the Code Red. And yeah, that, they that get the win. Caught me off guard. Like, whoa, what? Cool also, ain't that amazing? Red's move. Yeah, yeah. Uh, but yeah, Billy and Chuck get the win. What'd you guys think of this match? I didn't I love it, but I appreciated there was actually like actual storytelling in it. It didn't. It, it felt like there was at least something to this. I loved it more than I hated it. Like, I thought it was a pretty good showing. Some interesting spots. I think Tajiri was a good choice to put in the match too. Yeah, they've been kind of teaming up Jamie and Tajiri yeah. a little bit. Yeah, I thought it was – I said it was decent. I definitely like the story of the smaller guys chopping the big guy down. Uh, yeah. Uh, after the match, Tori is celebrating with the faces, and Nydia spits on her. Uh, I've said this before to Damon, and this is not a joke. You could – listen, you want to take this as a threat, go ahead. If anybody ever purposely spits on me, I will kill them. That's just a fact of life. Did Eric Rowan spit on you? <laughs> yeah, that's the main heat I got with Eric Rowan. Uh, Tori gets out of the ring and chops Nydia and then brings her into the ring. Nydia misses a clothesline and is kicked in the gut. Then Tori spanks her as Billy holds her down. Epic. Yep. And she kind of got a little bit of a wedgie in there, but, you know. No, probably. It, it, it happens. Uh, we get a match graphic for Undertaker versus Matt Hardy tonight. What I tell uh, you, number three on SmackDown. Yeah, huh. Uh, and then this is when I noted we got Super Monkey Ball commercial. Um, we are back from commercial, and we get the WWE Rewind brought to us by Atari's Terminator: Dawn of Fate. I, I didn't look it up, but I can only imagine that game is fucking dog shit. Oh yeah, like I don't like that's that's one of those games where it's like you just hear the title and you're like, yep, this that game is probably complete ass. Well, my thing is that it's Atari. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, well, see, it's also, it's a licensed game, too. And so it's like, those, those you know, they come out good sometimes, but, uh, nah, nah. Yeah, I just found the Wikipedia article. I'm trying to get to reception. Apparently, you know what? Looking at these scores, apparently it was a pretty meh game. It wasn't oh, wow, completely god-awful. You know what? Maybe it's because they didn't have like the time constraint of like getting it out in time for a movie. I know a lot of movie didn't games. Didn't Terminator 3 come out like right around the same time? Yeah, but I, I get the only reason I said is because like, and, and, and maybe I'm wrong, but like, I know with a lot of movie tie in games, oftentimes like they have a very limited amount of time to make the game because they have to get it out by, yeah. a, certain, by a certain date. And yeah, sometimes it comes out okay, but like, See, I guess it also depends on if Terminator 3 came out around that time. If that's the case, maybe I'm wrong. I think Terminator 3 is 2003. Okay. 
So maybe that's the thing. Maybe it was a case of like they actually like had at least, you know, a decent amount of time to finish the game. Yeah. Um, but the WWE Rewind is Taker killing Brock with some chair shots from Unforgiven, as well as the thumbnail from our last episode where he throws Brock through the stage. Uh, we cut backstage and we see SmackDown's number one announcer, Funaki. Uh, he's knocking on Brock Lesnar's door. Uh, Brock knock, knocking on Lesnar's door. Hey, 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 yeah. You subscribe to the Patreon, you get a full EP of Dean doing covers. I actually have like rap songs I never released. So, oh shit. Yeah. Um, Brock comes out and he stares down Funaki, and Funaki is very scared of Brock Lesnar. Uh, he says that he has a hard hitting question, and Brock fucking rustles Funaki's hair like it's his little cousin or something. Like, <laughs> he rustles his hair and he says, Yeah, go for it. And Funaki asks if it's true that Brock Lesnar will not give Undertaker a rematch for the title. And Brock says, you know, that's been everybody's question since Sunday. But Funaki, you're the only man with enough guts to ask to my face. And Brock says, you know what? I'll give you an answer, but not here. I want to do it in the ring. I want to do it in public, even though this there's a camera here and this is airing on television. Um, and Funaki is very excited that he gets, uh, I, I think at one point he's like, oh, oh big scoop. And so he's very excited to do this interview. And he says that I'll see him in the ring. Uh Cut to Stephanie McMahon's office, and she's on the phone. Uh, she's talking to somebody. We never figure out who. Uh, it's about Randy Orton and Hurricane jumping over to Raw at the last second before contracts were frozen. Uh, we hear a knock at the door, and Stephanie tells him to come in, and it's Kurt Angle. And Kurt Angle says it was so funny what Stephanie and Rikishi did to Bischoff and Unforgiven, and Stephanie agrees. Angle says, you know, you guys, you really set him up hook, line, and sinker. Whoop, there it is. Mm. Her angle's the fucking dude. Come on. <laughs> um, Steph like hears that and she's like, Yeah, it was yeah, it was great. Like she's like, ew, don't talk to me like that. Uh, and Kurt says, you know, you know, Stephanie, you know what? Another thing that would be great is if I can get a rematch uh, against Chris Benoit tonight. Uh, Kurt says that Benoit didn't win as his feet were on the rope, and Stephanie does agree. Uh, Kurt keeps interrupting Stephanie because she's trying to like, you know, tell him what she was gonna tell him already, but he keeps interrupting with like well, his feet were on the rope, so he doesn't win. And winners never win because they're cheaters or whatever the fuck. He's going on, and he just keeps interrupting her. It's just like, cheaters never win. And she, she's like, okay, Kurt, stop. Let me talk. And she's like, Kurt, I, I knew you were going to come in here and ask for a rematch, but I have something else planned for the main event tonight. Uh, and that's when Rey Mysterio, we see him in the office, and we only know, God knows how long he was in there. Dude was probably in there before fucking Stephanie got in her office that day. He's been there since 5.30 p.m. or some shit. Like, it was weird. Um, you know, okay, so maybe I'm overestimating Kurt's height, but did Ray look weirdly tall in this? Um, okay, see, I'm glad you said that because I thought something was off. I didn't know if it was his height or like his build, but something seemed off. Kurt is not that tall. I think, I think he's built at like six one, so he's probably like five eleven. Yeah, but so he's like, still Ray's got a bit like, of height Ray's on like Ray. Five four though. Maybe maybe they had him on an Apple box. That's what I'm saying. Like, I'm wondering if he was standing on something. Or like if it was a wide angle lens that like because Ray was on the left side, maybe he looked bigger. Yeah, I don't know. Own. I don't know. Like it just, I didn't it, really I didn't really pick up that Ray looked bigger or anything. Look, it, it was it, he looked it like Ray was like, geez, Ray, did you go like six inches? What the hell? Yeah. Um Kurt asks, what the heck is Ray doing here? And he's like Ray, you do know that child labor laws say you can't be here longer than five hours. 
<laughs> Dude, that fucking sent me. Uh, Kurt then has to explain the joke to Stephanie, and she doesn't find it very funny. She's not mad about it, but she just didn't laugh at it. And he's like, get it, because he's short. <laughs> uh, uh, Stephanie says that tonight's main event will be Kurt Angle versus Chris Benoit versus Rey Mysterio. Uh, and Kurt asks why Steph would want Mysterio in the match because it's in his hometown of San Diego. What? Because Rey Mysterio was born here eight years ago. Oh my God. <laughs> uh, uh, Kurt says this may be Mysterio's homecoming, uh, but Angle will get the one, two, three tonight. And Ray says that won't happen if Ray can first hit him with the six, one, nine. Uh, we cut to the ring and Funaki is on his way out. And this man has the chair that Taker used on Brock and Unforgiven. That, that was a bad move on his part. Holy shit. I was going to say, can we say dumb, the balls on this man? This dumb motherfucker, <laughs> Funaki. God damn, is he stupid. Like, he already <laughs> didn't kick your ass. Maybe don't provoke him. Yeah. Uh, cuts commercial, and Funaki introduces Brock Lesnar. Uh, Brock is out with Paul Heyman. Brock looks pissed that Funaki has that chair. Uh <laughs> He says that Taker hit Lesnar with this chair and Brock grabs it and he throws the uh, chair down. He starts doing that like flexing thing he would always do. He starts doing it to Funaki. You know what I'm saying? Mm, yeah, he's like yeah. doing the, like he's moving his shoulders forward um, and Heyman leaves. So, you know, this is about to go poorly and Funaki, this ballsy little fuck. He punches Brock first. He punches him a few times. Brock completely no sells it. You know, uh, he just got lucky. He didn't have to face Kung Funaki. Dude, Kung Fu Naki would have whipped his ace. He would have. He was undefeated for a long time. Um, Funaki hits him a couple times, and he goes off the rope, and Brock literally, like, grabs him by the throat, stops him, and then fucking STOs him. And then, dude, I don't know what you call this move, but Brock just picks Funaki up like a sack of shit and then throws him down like a sack of shit. You know what I'm talking about? That, like, nasty-looking, like, it was, like, legit looked like an MMA suplex throw like not a mm-hmm. wrestling suplex like he fucking threw him on his goddamn head and neck like taz like it was Ooh, crazy yeah um knees to the gut rushes into the corner overhead belly to belly throws funaki about halfway across the ring uh and then he hits the f5 and that's the end of that segment there's nothing else after that. i like how we didn't get our answer i was i was waiting for the scoop man i was waiting for the scoop yeah this was about to the answer to the hard-hitting question uh, we cut to the locker room and Tori is packing up her stuff. She's going to leave early tonight for some reason. Uh, Don Marie walks in. She congratulates Tori on winning the bikini contest. Don says maybe one day uh, Tori will have a contest with someone who has a lot more to offer than Nydia, like her. Uh, Tori says, excuse me, and she leaves. You know, cool. this is the weird thing about like uh, wrestling. It's what TV Tropes refers to as Hollywood ugly. Or maybe this Hollywood fat. Oh, where yeah, we like, definitely talked about that. Yeah, like where it's like you look at Nidia, Nidia and you're like, I feel like you guys are like really trying to make her look as bad as possible when she doesn't really look bad at all. Yeah, we mentioned that like literally on like the first or second episode. And granted, she's obviously not here yet. So I don't know exactly. Oh, because they would always call Molly Holly fat. She's got a fat ass and stuff. Which it's like you look at it and it's like I, her ass isn't looking any and notably fatter than anybody else's. So I was, was yeah, they do that and like they do it with Mickey James later, with the whole Piggy James thing. It's like it's her like, stomach's flat, guys. Like what the fuck is wrong with you? Yeah, it's yeah. Uh, we see Edge walking backstage. Uh, we cut to commercial and we get the WWE Boot of the Week by Lugs. 
uh, and it's Eddie hitting Edge with a chair last week and busting him open. And we're moving on to our next contest. Eddie Guerrero takes on Edge in a no-disqualification match. Uh, SmackDown is brought to us by Clearasil, Lugs, and PlayStation 2. Uh, match starts off hot with a lockup, and Eddie gets the advantage with some strikes, back elbow and stomps, uh, headlock by Eddie, off the ropes and a shoulder tackle by Eddie, drop down leapfrog and a monkey flip by Edge, uh, some punches in the corner by Edge and a hammer lock. Eddie rushes Edge in the corner uh, and hits some shoulder blocks. Uh, Edge is like in the 619 position, you know, like laying on the second rope. And Eddie jumps over the top rope to the outside and brings Edge's throat down on the rope. Um, reminds me of a Macho Man. Uh, Savage used to do a very similar move where like he'd run with you from one side of the ring to the other and then jump over the top rope and bring your throat down. You know, I'm glad you brought that up because I wouldn't have mentioned that because weirdly, whenever people do that, I always think of Christian. Just like not like the actual choke part, but like jumping over the rope and Christian would just slap the shit out. Yeah, he'd slap landed. him. Yeah, that that move gets a two count uh, when Eddie has his feet on the rope. Some chick kept screaming, and I only noticed it in this match, but she does it for the rest of the show. Oh yeah, and uh, coupled with the flood warnings, that yeah, the was flood really getting on my fucking nerves. Uh, whip reverse and a back body drop by Edge. Uh, we get drop kick, body slam, and an elbow drop by Edge gets a two count. Uh, Edge locks in like a standing arm bar. Uh, Eddie gets out with knees to the gut and then ends a geary. Uh, he starts stomping Edge down. Some punches by Eddie. Uh, Eddie hits a brain buster for a two count, and then he locks in a chin lock. Edge starts firing back with punches. Uh, Eddie's whip is reversed in a power slam by Edge. Edge to the top rope, and Eddie stops him. Uh, Eddie goes up top with him and hits a superplex for a two count. Uh, punches and elbows to the head by Eddie. Whip reversed and Edge with an electric chair into a stun gun, and then he clotheslines Eddie out of the ring. Edge looks under the ring, and he gets a ladder, first weapon being introduced into the matchup. I actually forgot it was no DQ until he grabbed that ladder. Yeah, the first few minutes, the the only thing that would like remotely say, oh, this match is no DQ, is uh, Eddie puts his feet on the rope, and the ref doesn't say anything about it. Yeah, yeah. He goes to hit Eddie with it, but Eddie ducks and Edge hits the ref right in the head with the ladder. Uh, punch to Edge and Eddie gets a chair and hits Edge in the back with it. Uh, Edge tossed in the ring and Eddie follows with the chair. Shot to the ribs with the chair. Eddie goes up top and he misses the frog splash and we cut to commercial after that. Uh, we we come actually back miss to things during the commercial. Yeah, they actually show a, a couple of things that happened during commercial. Uh Eddie is punching and stomping Edge in the corner when we come back. Mike Kyoto has replaced the now deceased ref, Mike Sparks. Uh, whip to the ropes, and Eddie jumps on Edge's back for a sleeper hold. And then some other refs uh, come and pick up Mike Sparks' corpse. Um, we see that Edge hit a spear on Eddie and got the visual three count during the commercial. Uh and during that replay of what happened during the commercial, Edge got out of the sleeper. Uh, and he hits the sit-outside face buster for a two-count. Edge up top, and Eddie follows with a super hurricane runner for a two-count. Uh, Eddie starts elbowing Edge's elbow, uh, punches to the face. Eddie grabs the hand and runs up the ropes and gets hit with a nasty sit-out powerbomb. He landed, like, on his fucking shoulder and head. Yeah, yeah, see, like, I thought... Him. Oh, sorry, Damon. Say that again. Uh, I was just going to say, yeah, that looked rough. He, like, crumpled him. Like, I realized it wasn't after the fact, but at first I thought Eddie, like, just really severely botched the Hurricane Rana. So I was like, oh, it was a powerbomb. Okay. Yeah. 
um, Edge leaves the ring and he gets the ladder. Edge is in the ring and Eddie drop kicks the ladder into Edge's face. Uh, Eddie out of the ring and he gets another ladder uh, back in the ring with it. European uppercut by Eddie and Edge bumps on the ladder and that is the start of Edge's neck injuries. Ooh, that oh, that bump. Really? Yes. Um, Edge says that, like I just said, this bump is the start of uh, his neck problems kind of stacking up. Um, I remember I found a video years ago where he talked about like he took that bump and Im- immediately like his hands started going numb. Um, and he he kept wrestling for months mm-hmm. with this injury. Um, he said that over time his hands would get more and more numb, uh, and then the pain would only get worse. Uh, and he doesn't he isn't written off TV until February of two thousand three. You know, I think this also kind of reflects uh, how WWE was not as hesitant to let people wrestle hurt as much as they are now. So, okay, so that that's something because, like, that I feel like that could have just been Edge hiding it. That's what that I is definitely say. possible. That's definitely because, possible. like, I remember uh, there was a point where, like, Ryback, I think it was, he was like, "Yeah, I've been injured for six months. I just never told anybody, but now I'm gonna go get surgery." And it's like, what the fuck? You know what? And that's, I remember Matt Hardy said, uh, uh, he had like, had like a tear in his, like, uh, his abdomen. Cause like, it's a birth defect. He's actually had since he was born and uh-huh. he just, he was wrestling with it for months and months and months. And basically like when Kofi Kingston did a splash to the table, it's just like, it just made this giant tear and he had, to, he had, and he had no choice but to leave. But it's like basically so many of these guys, I think are just worried about losing their spots if they go get surgery. Yeah. Um, Eddie creates an edge sandwich. It's ladder, edge, ladder. And then he does the tope flip from the apron into the ring. Great spot. That had to fucking kill both of them. Oh, yeah. Um, That gets a two count. And edge could be selling, but it looked like he had some trouble kicking out. Like, oh, he ain't yeah. moving much. And I don't he, know if that's he, selling or if he's, like, fucked. Yeah, it, probably a mix of both, but yeah. Yeah. Uh, Eddie sets up the ladder and he climbs to the top rope and then onto the ladder because it's pretty close in the corner there. Uh, And Edge follows him. Both men trade punches on the ladder and then an absolutely beautiful sunset flip powerbomb by Eddie to Edge. God damn. Just, I've never seen a move that slick in my life. Everybody in the crowd at this point are on their feet for this match. Um, And that sunset flip powerbomb gets a two count. That's a huge pop when Edge kicks out. Uh, Eddie props the ladder up in the corner and he throws Edge into it. Uh, he goes to the other corner. Eddie rushes and he's back body dropped into the ladder. That was a crazy bump too because Eddie he, took that on his fucking head almost. Oh yeah, it it's like bad. he hits the ladder and then the rest of his body like falls to the mat. And uh, both men are down from this. Edge sets up the other ladder near the corner and he starts climbing. Uh, Eddie follows. Uh, they kind of jockey for position. Uh, Edge smashes Eddie's face into the top of the ladder a couple of times and then hits a huge execution off the top of the ladder for the win. What'd you guys think of this match? I you thought know, this match was damn good. It's really good. I, I have to agree because, and I will say this, I went into it with kind of a bad attitude. Uh, well, and also the beginning kind of with a bad attitude because that woman just kept fucking screaming. Yeah. Um, and the flood warning. But which, oh, yeah, by the way, uh, there are flood warnings in Tennessee and Kentucky, by the way. Did you know that? Um, but also partially it was also because I was kind of, I was kind of getting tired of seeing Edge and Eddie keep having matches over and over again. 
But at the same time, you know what? They still they still pulled me in, and I couldn't complain at all. It was a great match. Yeah. Um, I feel like I, this is definitely known as, like, one of, like, the SmackDown 6 era matches. Mm-hmm. Like, this is known as, like, one of those really good ones. Uh, yeah, I thought it was a great match. Uh, they were able to have a good no-DQ match with, I mean, really only two weapons, a ladder and a chair. Obviously, there's two ladders, but it's the same thing. Yeah. Uh, and it never turned into, like, a garbage brawl. Like, it never like turned it. into the, like, let's just hit each other with a chair 40 times. Mm-hmm. Like, they had, they only had a couple of spots with the weapons, but it still worked. Um, after Edge leaves, Eddie stands up, and he actually gets a standing ovation as a heel, uh, which is very interesting. Eddie's just so fucking good, man. That's the thing. Yeah, and also, I didn't notice this, because, I mean, it, happened, it had to have happened at the very end of the match. Uh, Eddie got busted open. I, had, I would imagine when Edge was smacking his face into the ladder, uh, yeah. he was bleeding a little bit from the forehead there. Uh, we get a match graphic for the main event, Kurt Angle versus Chris Benoit versus Rey Mysterio. Uh, we cut to commercial, and we get an exterior shot of the sports arena in San Diego. Uh, we cut backstage, and Chris Benoit is getting ready for the match. He's stretching, and Mark Lloyd comes up and congratulates him on beating Kurt Angle at Unforgiven. Uh, Mark Lloyd asks for his thoughts about the triple threat match tonight, and Benoit just says, you suck. That's what people chant to Kurt Angle when he comes out to the ring. Uh, Chris says, when it comes to Kurt Angle, the wrestler, nothing could be further from the truth. Kurt's not the only Olympic gold medalist in WWE for nothing. And Benoit says that Kurt Angle is the toughest son of a bitch he's ever been in the ring with. Uh, Benoit is looking forward to beating Angle and Mysterio tonight. Uh, Benoit says Mysterio may have been born in San Diego, but Benoit was born to hurt. Man, it's a good promo until you know what happens in a few years. Yeah, see, that's the thing. Fuck. When That's the thing about it. Like, the, that last line... It's just so tainted by by future knowledge. Yeah, but at the time we thought, oh boy, what about us? Man, especially because yeah. even even when it happened, a lot of like we didn't know it. We didn't know the full context. All we knew was that he was gone. Yeah, when we get there in five years, I have a very interesting story about that because I remember watching that raw live. Mm-hmm. I remember. I remember that too. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. Um, cuts of the locker room and Matt Hardy is studying tape with Shannon Moore. Matt says he beat the Hurricane so bad that he had to run to a different show. <laughs> uh, Matt says that's the trend with his opponents, though. It happened with the Hurricane. It's going to happen to Undertaker tonight. Uh, Matt hey, says he beat Undertaker already. I don't even know why he why Undertaker even gets a match with Matt Hardy. Well, listen, Matt says that he made Undertaker run away two times in a row. Uh, and Shannon Moore's like, Matt, I love you, man, but I feel like that's got more to do with Brock Lesnar. And Matt doesn't believe that. I feel like uh, Shannon's being, uh, I feel like he's being kind of a moron here. That's obviously being a not bit of happened. a friggin' MF right now, dude. <laughs> uh, Matt tells him, he says, okay, Mr. Fancy Pants, sit here and watch my matchup next. And you tell me if Brock has anything to do with me beating The Undertaker tonight. Uh, Matt leaves the locker room and he walks down the hallway. And as soon as he turns the corner, Brock is just, he's laying in wait, brother. We cut to commercial. And Michael Cole and Taz talk about a press conference that happened in Seattle on Tuesday regarding WrestleMania 19, which I think that means it technically happened the same day SmackDown was taped. Yes. So, yeah, I imagine that's got to be a little weird as a commentator to learn, like, you have to refer to stuff. Like, he can't say last night on Monday Night Raw because it airs on Thursday. That's got to be a little hard to learn at first. You know, actually, and that's kind of, and I was watching a, a video about like how Raw has changed over the years. And one thing they talked about was how 
like back in the older days of Raw when they when Raw was taped too, like they would just say like, oh, like Vince would insert random things going on in pop culture like that day just to make it seem more like it was actually oh, Jesus <laughs> actually happening on the day it was aired. Damn. Uh, we cut to a video package hyping up the spectacle that is WrestleMania. Uh, the press conference, I may have missed a couple of people here because there was a shit ton of people there. But the press conference featured people like Stephanie McMahon, JR, Brock Lesnar, Triple H, Booker T, Eric Bischoff, RVD, Edge, Kurt Angle, Undertaker, Jericho, and Kane. Uh, and Undertaker mentions that uh, come WrestleMania 19, he will be 11-0. and 0. This has to be one of the first times the streak is ever mentioned. I feel like the very first time would have been, I guess, WrestleMania 18, because he'd like... At the end, yeah. Yeah, he, he called, puts up 10 fingers for his 10 wins, but I can't think of anything prior to that. I was, yeah, so like that that's what I was thinking. I knew after he beats Flair at Mini 18, he starts putting up the fingers on the apron. And I did see an interview with him where he said that it wasn't like well into the streak that he realized he even had one. Yeah, I've heard him say before. I don't know if it was like Broken Skull Sessions or when he was on Joe Rogan or whatever. It was one of those, yeah. Yeah, he was like, he was like me and no one else in WWE even knew I had a streak until probably like seven or eight. And they were like, huh, Taker has never lost a Mania. Isn't that weird? Yeah. I'd just like to point out that uh, right now, Rob Van Dam has the best WrestleMania record. Yeah, his is 4-0, isn't it? Yeah, he is. We're going on to our next contest. Undertaker takes on Matt Hardy. Uh, Undertaker has his bike this week. Uh, we hear once again that Subway will present WWE No Mercy, October 20th, episode 17 of Ruthless Recap. Uh, Matt and Undertaker surprisingly shake hands. Matt put his hand out and Taker shaked it. Sh- shaked it? He shook it. Uh, and Undertaker's not letting go of that handshake. He takes Matt by the arm and he throws him uh, into the corner and some back elbows and some soup bones. Uh, Taker rushes, but Matt gets the boots up. Uh, chop blocked by Matt, some mounted punches, some stomps. Uh, Matt hits the second, lo- uh, second rope leg drop. Uh, Matt goes for the twist of fate, but he's pushed off to the ropes. Taker goes for a back body drop, but Matt kicks him off the ropes and Taker goozles him and a choke slam. And Taker, like, gets down on his hands and knees and looks like he's about to go for the pin, but he starts talking shit to Matt's face, and he picks him up, uh, and he hits the last ride, and that is the win for Undertaker. Short, short match. Like, I think, dude, I think this match was shorter than Booker and Rico. Like, it was that short. uh, mm, I would have to go back and see. You might be right, but I'm not sure. If it it is shorter, it can only be by a few seconds. Yeah, but I feel like very poor sportsmanship by the undertaker during this match i feel like mm-hmm. matt hardy just wanted to shake his hand and the undertaker used that opportunity to get the advantage and steal the win Dean you know sound like a real mf right now you okay. know matt matt look matt was robbed let's be honest here uh-huh. first okay. match we saw in ruthless recap there was a fast count that caused him to lose matt hardy's already proven he can easily defeat the undertaker undertaker ran away like a bitch he is <laughs> like look matt hardy I just don't even feel like Matt Hardy should have had to fight the Undertaker. She just got she should have just gotten a title match. Are you done sucking Matt Hardy's dick right now? Or can I move on with the show? Uh, like... Okay, to be serious though, to be serious though, I actually was surprised. I thought the match was gonna go longer. I thought the match would go at least a little longer. Like yeah, I thought it would last at least like five, seven minutes. Oh, I I wasn't thinking no seven, but maybe five. Okay, five, fair enough, but still. Um, I th- I didn't think it was gonna go ten, but I thought it was gonna be at least like, you know, solid five minute match. Yeah, not take her beat the shit out of him. Uh and then right after that, Brock rushes the ring and he hits Undertaker with the undisputed title. Taker's busted open. Uh, Lesnar gets another shot in with the belt. The refs are telling Brock, you know, he's got to leave. He gets some big asshole chance. 
Uh, Lesnar and Heyman leave while Taker's attempting to get up. And uh, Heyman on the way out is screaming that no one survives Brock Lesnar. Not Hogan, not Rock, nobody. Uh, we get a replay of what we just saw. Uh, and we also get to see during the commercial break Undertaker trying and failing to get up. We then cut to a black and white shot of Taker refusing to get stitches from the doctors. You know, that's kind of like, here's the thing. I understand, I guess maybe their thought process was, oh, it's like security footage. And I'm like, yeah, but security cameras don't move like that. Oh, the whole black and white? No, it's just because he's bleeding. Because they did but, that with the the fucking boot of the week or whatever the hell with edge bleeding. Oh, they put shit. that in black Smackdown. and white too. Oh, Smack- was that a thing SmackDown did during this era? They were PG the whole time. Uh, they never were TV okay. 14 at this time. Gotcha. Okay. Okay. Yeah. That's that's actually interesting. Which know. is weird because then Eddie bled in his match and they didn't censor it. But I guess... yeah. I guess you could argue, well, it's live, it's in the match, so they mm-hmm. don't do it there, but when they show a replay or something, it's different. I don't... Yeah, it's weird. Whatever. Um, moving on to our main event of SmackDown, Kurt Angle takes on Chris Benoit and Rey Mysterio, triple threat match. Uh, Kurt comes out and he grabs the mic and he says that, well, tonight he's got a triple threat match against Rey Mysterio and Chris Benoit. Uh, he says that Rey claims to be from San Diego like it's something to brag about. Uh, Kurt says if any... He asks if anyone else in the arena is from San Diego and they cheer... Uh, and he's like, oh, I think IAS would have something to say about that, mm. uh, which I think is has something to do with, like, illegal immigrants, I think. I am pretty up. sure, yeah. Yeah. Uh, Ray may feel impressive with the 619, but he'll need 911 after tonight, compadre. Uh, or no, he says comprende. What's comprende mean? I never took Spanish. Just to be understand, comprehend. Oh. Yeah. Ooh, I went to high school. Um, pues, cuando estuve... Uh, Nah, never mind. But that's not dude, don't say that shit, dude. That's racist. Don't say that. <laughs> you start acting like you said something terrible in Spanish. No, I was just basically going to say, like, I was basically going to say something in Spanish, and it's like, ah, I'm not going to do real show. Let's just keep moving. Uh, Kurt says that Benoit may feel comfortable in San Diego. Uh, Benoit illegally won the match in Unforgiven, like half the people in the arena illegally snuck into this country. <laughs> Kurt Angle's a menace to society. Uh, Kurt says there's only one threat in this match tonight, and it's not that toothless cheater, and it's not that sawed-off member of Menudo, which I had to look up. It's a Mexican boy band. Um, It's the man standing in the middle of the ring, a real American. It's true. Oh, it's damn true. Uh, We cut to commercial, and Benoit is on his way to the ring. Uh, Mysterio comes out. Very big pop. He's from San Diego. Uh, Match starts off hot because uh, Kurt and Benoit, they're staring each other down. Ray tries to kind of jump in, and fucking Kurt just pie faces Ray and then punches Benoit. Ray off the ropes, and he hits a tilt-to-roll head scissors on Kurt. Uh, Ray has a whip reversed by Benoit, and he flips onto Kurt's shoulders, does a backflip off the shoulders, is clubbed in the back by Benoit, and then fucking, this is crazy. This match was insane. Benoit goes to back suplex Ray, but Ray out of that back suplex attempt, drop kicks Angle, and then bulldogs Benoit. Uh, Ray gets a two count on Benoit after Angle breaks that up. Uh, Ray is tossed out of the ring by Angle, and then we get some amateur wrestling between Angle and Benoit. Ray tries to springboard back in the ring, and Angle just shuts that shit down, knocks him right off the apron. Uh, We get some more amateur wrestling between Angle and Benoit. Ray tries to get back in, and Benoit knocks him down. Uh, Spine buster and an Angle lock attempt by Kurt. But Benoit rolls through. Uh, we get a two count for Angle when he gets his feet on the rope. 
uh, Ray on the apron, and he shoulder checks Angle, front flips over Angle into the ring, and a spinning wheel kick to Benoit. I thought that was a really cool spot. Yeah. Uh, drop toe hold to Angle. Uh, Angle is in the corner. Uh, Benoit rushes Ray, and Ray moves. Benoit is able to stop before he collides with Kurt, and Ray gets a schoolboy on Benoit for a two count when Angle breaks it up. Uh, Ray whipped to the corner by Kurt, and Ray goes up and over Kurt's shoulders. No, he doesn't. Let me try that line again. Ray whipped to the corner by Kurt, and Ray up and over, and Kurt goes shoulder first into the post. Uh, club to Ray's back by Benoit, and a big back suplex by Chris. Uh, whipped to the ropes and a back elbow by Benoit for a two count. Uh, a shitty reverse atomic drop by Benoit. Not very often I see Benoit do something, and I say it looks shitty, but that reverse atomic drop did not look good yeah and i mean in his slight defense i feel like it's atomic, an atomic drop atomic drops like sometimes they look good but it's very very rare um a reverse atomic drop can look good but the regular atomic drop i don't think ever looks good snap suplex by benwall on ray gets two count uh benwall starts cranking at the neck uh ray gets out with a punch to the gut off the ropes he ducks a clothesline and then benwall just like lifts ray up dirty dancing style and then runs him and throws him over the top ropes. Good God. <laughs> um, Angle back in and punches to Benoit. Stomps in the corner. Uh, short arm clothesline for a two count by Angle. Chops by Benoit. Whip reverse and overhead belly to belly by Kurt Angle for a two count on Benoit. Uh, whip reverse and Benoit hits a back elbow. Uh, head in the corner by Benoit to Angle. Two Germans by Benoit. He goes for a third, but Angle uh, hits two of his own German suplexes. Goes for a third, but Angle and Benoit just keep reversing each other. Uh, Angle eventually hits the Angle Slam on Benoit. And Ray hits a springboard drop kick. And Kurt flies out of the ring, and Ray actually gets a two count on Benoit. Uh, whip reversed, and Angle pulls Ray out of the ring. And then Benoit hits a huge German suplex. Angle does that backflip bump out of it. Oh, it was nice. It was nice. Yeah. Uh, Chris Benoit with the cutthroat taunt. Missile drop kick from the top rope by Mysterio to Benoit. Uh, Benoit now on the outside of the ring. Off the ropes, and Ray ducks a line, uh, a clothesline from Kurt. And Kurt throws Ray over his head to the outside, and he lands a seated senton on Benoit. Love that spot. Uh, angle to the outside, and he throws Ray into the barricade. Benoit thrown back. Angle follows. Chop block in an angle lock, but Benoit gets the ropes pretty quickly. Uh, Kurt goes to pry Benoit off the ropes. They're both jockeying for position at the ropes, and Ray hits a double 619. I loved that. Oh, and now, you know what I loved about that was that also uh, Ray, in that case, looked like it didn't look like a cooperative 619. It looked like it actually was a very plausible way Ray would actually end up hitting it. I was just about to say the same thing. It felt like a natural setup. Yeah. Like they're both already at the ropes, and then Ray just runs in and kills them. Exactly. Exactly. Uh, Ray goes for the West Coast pop on Benoit, but Kurt pushes Benoit out of the way. Kurt catches Mysterio in a powerbomb position, and Ray turns that into a sunset flip pin for a two count. Nasty clothesline by Angle to Ray. Uh, Benoit back up, and he locks in the Crippler crossface on Angle. Angle tries to roll through, but Benoit holds on to the crossface. A springboard leg drop by Benoit. Uh, on Benoit by Ray gets a very close two count. Uh, Angle goes for the angle slam on Ray, but Ray lands on his feet off the ropes and a pop-up drop kick sends Kurt into a back suplex by Benoit over the top rope and out of the ring. This match is fucking crazy. Uh, 
Ray rushes Benoit and he's popped up over Benoit's head, springs off the middle rope and a hurricane Rana on Benoit for the win. That was another crazy spot. What'd you guys think of this match? Another great match. I have to say really, loved really it. good match. Like, yeah. honestly, I'm, I'm glad we're in the era when like WWE doesn't insist on having the hometown hero lose every time they go somewhere. Oh, just wait for raw when Booker T. Fucking oh yeah. Jobbed out. Oh yeah. Yeah. Yeah, but still a great uh, match, though. Absolutely great match. Uh, I can't even think of like a complaint I had with it. This match was really good. Yeah, um, I was a little worried about when that with that seated senton spot because like it looked like Ray could have like fucked his knee up a little bit there, and he kind of was like you could see him kind of like you know kind of like checking it a little bit after he did it, but I, he was probably fine. But yeah, I mean, we, I mean, I mean, how many freaking knee surgeries has Ray had though? I mean, goddamn, at least five. Yeah. Um. Yeah, I love this match. I love the story of Angle and Benoit hating each other so much that they didn't pay enough attention to Ray. Uh, therefore, Ray was able to win because they weren't focused on him. But the real main event, Dean, what was the couch gag for Simpsons that was left in on this? Oh, yeah, like it was like the Tracy Ullman version yeah. of them sitting on the couch. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And the, uh, but yeah, that is it um, for SmackDown. So now, guys, what was your favorite match between the two shows? Just one match in particular? Yes. That match we just talked about. I, I got to go with the triple threat too. I really liked Edge and Eddie, but I felt like the wrestling was better in the triple threat match. Yeah, it was a toss-up for me on those two, but triple threat wins it. Yeah, same. I'm, I'm actually surprised. I thought you guys were going to say the no DQ match. I'm, I'm actually surprised. I really like the no DQ match, but this triple threat, I just thought was better. Yeah, I did too. I like the I pace too. a bit more. Uh, it was real quick the whole time as where in Edge and Eddie, they had a couple of lulls where things slowed down a bit. Mm. Uh, but no, this triple threat was breakneck the entire time. Yeah. Um, and what was your favorite segment between the two shows? Tommy Dreamer and Christopher Nowinski. I'm looking back at segments right now. Oh, God. I'm going to go Kurt Angle and Stephanie's office. Oh, man, I'm looking at segments. None of them really stood out to me that much this week. That's the thing, though. Like, for me, that was the only, like, the Tommy Dreamer and Christopher Nowinski segment was the only one that I was like, yep, that was, uh, I actually thought that was pretty awesome. Fuck, sure. I'll go with the Kurt Angle and Stephanie's office. I don't know. None of them were that good to me. I disrespecting Tommy Dreamer. Tommy Dreamer can suck my balls. And you can He's quote been me on, on you that. too. Yeah. Damn it. Well, that is it for this episode of Ruthless Recap. Uh, Next week, we'll be back with another review of Raw and SmackDown. Uh, I'm Trent, and for Damon. Good night. And Dean. See you in Houston, everybody. We'll see you next time.